You're listening to a Count Out Podcast. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. You're listening to a Count Out Podcast. Let me ask you something. Who I will please do. has glorious hair, an amazing figure, and should be the fucking AEW champion right now? Because it's my girlfriend and robbed. Robbed is what I say. <laughs> Why can't we have nice things? That's what I want to know. Oh, just imagine how many great title defenses they would set up this year in the G1 if Hiroshi Tanahashi was the AEW interim Just champion. defending it all the way through the G1 like a fucking <sighs> boss. It would have been sick. I was like, it, it's the fucking interim championship. Who cares? Just do something cool. Put it on fucking Tanahashi. You've got 50 titles on TV. You'll be okay for a few weeks. <laughs> And then, and then you can you've got Miro just got that new. Oh no, it wasn't even Miro that spoilers anybody that hasn't watched AEW. But yeah, Park, you know, he's been wanting to win a title since the company started. Like, you know, showcase that a little bit. Just have like, oh my god, the ace of New Japan walked into this company and took the interim title. And then when CM Punk comes back, it's like the only reason you got it is because I was fucking injured, man, and now it's you and me. But. Instead, now there's no value really even in Punk versus Tanahashi because it's like, well, Tanahashi's already lost, so what's it even matter? See, I, I, I think what we need to do is tell everyone that we're lucky. We're very lucky. Because we missed a week of recording, we didn't put out those bullshit takes of how Forbidden Door's build was garbage and the show wasn't what we wanted. <laughs> we, we got to avoid <laughs> All of that. We definitely didn't even nonsense. feel that for one second. And why no, would we? Because, you know, we were looking at the big picture. So, yeah. That's, yeah. that's, none that's of what that. we do here on Okada Shorts. And that's what we actually should do first is introduce ourselves. What's up? I'm Curtis Spears, your good friend, Curtis Spears. That over there, that's your bad friend, Rafe Houston. And together, we are the International Wrestling Grand Pricks, the Kings of Pod Style. Welcome to Okada Shorts, everybody. We, uh, we're members of the Count Out Podcast Network, talk about New Japan Pro Wrestling. And uh, today we're going to be talking about a little bit about AEW wrestling as well. So I guess it's uh, going to be hard to avoid that. I, I got to say, I don't know much about AEW wrestling. I only watch like one Dynamite every like four months. 
So uh, it's going to be a little bit of a thing. I'm going to talk about stuff I don't know, but this is a this is a podcast, and I'm a cishet white male, so that's how it rolls. Uh, <laughs> I'm just going to give my opinion on it, and you can fucking like it. And uh, I, I do watch AEW, like, somewhat religiously. I actually got married before the first Double or Nothing and then went to that show, so that was essentially part of my wedding. So I do know stuff about it. Uh, and whether my opinion is right or wrong, I don't really fucking care either. So we're just going to like Because you have a microphone, and we're going to listen to every word you have to say. <laughs> exactly. And if you don't like it, turn it off, because this is free, and I don't care. Um, yeah, yeah we're going to talk about it, but we also, like you said, we we missed uh, we had to miss some time there uh, due to circumstances beyond our control, and we didn't even get a chance to talk about Dominion, talk about those couple of big Road Two shows. So I think we rewind and go back to where we would have been a fortnight ago, which is just after Dominion. We had done a Best of the Super Juniors wrap up. We were pumped mm-hmm. with how the tournament played out, and then. Dominion was an absolutely great show with a huge ending, man. How were you feeling about everything as it all um, came out in the wash? Are we, are we going to say Dominion was a great show? Because we've been talking a lot recently about how about New it. Japan's had banger after banger after banger mega mm-hmm. shows. Mm-hmm. And the the thing about it is, like, I don't know if Dominion really played into that. It had a great ending. You I know, mean, I, but let's, I really let's... enjoyed it. I felt like it was... Here for a good time, here for a, like not for a long time, and and mm-hmm. had like a a huge ending, which is sort of what I wanted. We'd been watching like a lot of New Japan, you know, they'd just run a huge tournament that ran for ages. It's a real big commitment from the fans to watch, you know, multiple things a week and keep on top of like that huge tournament. Then if you go into like a giant show that runs for ages, where everybody's overstaying their welcome and things like that like event fatigue becomes really real. Like AW's previous, um, was Double or Nothing their last pay-per-view before Forbidden Door? You won't know. doesn't really matter. Whatever their one was, it went for fucking six hours or something. You know what I mean? It went so long and I was like, I am so exhausted. So I can only imagine watching all that best of the Super Juniors content and it was like, you know, a lot of good stuff, but it is a lot to ask of your fan base. Then if you turn around and have like, this big, long, epic show, I think it just feels exhausting. And so I kind of like Dominion because it was was to the point. I don't get that. I don't get that, man. Like, everyone's like, oh, these these four or five-hour wrestling shows, oh, that's a lot. Like, motherfucker, I go to work 10 hours a day, you know, plus plus an hour and a half commute. Like, I can handle five hours actually watching wrestling. I can't. I I mean, I can, but it's like... The big ones I want to really enjoy, and uh, like if you want to be on top of stuff and things like that, you kind of want to watch it when it's happened. Uh, in Australia, especially like American pay per views, we can't watch live. So then it's like mm. social media blackout until the end of the day. Then maybe a couple of friends come over, or we're going to watch it. You don't actually hit play on the thing until seven thirty, eight o'clock at night, and then it runs for like four or five hours. And I'm into like 1 a.m. before I'm getting to sleep and then getting up at 5 a.m. and stuff. It like wears me down. But that's more like to do with my lifestyle, I think. And also I consume a vast quantity of wrestling. So I think my, I guess my fatigue is like kind of redlining a little bit. But I'm a wrestling fucking podcaster like (laughs) who covers various sort of things and stuff. So I really appreciate, I know, I feel like it's on, I don't know, it's on the wrestling to make me, want to enjoy it 
And if I watch something and it feels like it's taking a, a really long time, then I'm not about it. But then sometimes shows don't feel like that even when it was a bit. Like, how long did Dominion run for? It was still like three hours or something, right? It was, it was definitely an over three-hour show. Yeah. I, I don't know exactly how long it ran, but it, yeah. it, it was over three hours. I'm just saying there was a ton of filler. Yeah, but, I, but I felt like none of, they kind of gave everybody a spot on the show, but I felt like nobody really overstayed their welcome. Maybe that's what I was feeling a bit more grateful for, because during the pandemic era, there were matches overstaying their welcome regularly. Oh, that's for sure. Yeah, that's like, for sure. I don't I mean, need 20 these... minutes to 30 minutes of Luke Gallows and Yano. You know what I'm saying? And I love both dudes, but like keep it at eight minutes is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, that was, that was true. Yeah, during the pandemic, oof. Oof, it was bad. They had, you know, five match cards to a to a quarter full Kirk and Hall and you know, every match was going twenty five minutes. It was just that was a slog. That was a big slog. But this one, let's go over the card. Let's, let's look at this let's card. Sure, for, remind uh, me. See, see, I'm saying all this like glass half full looking backwards through time. You might run down this card and I was like, Oh, that was fucking bad. But in my mind, maybe maybe I'm all rose-colored glasses because of, like, the main event and the promos and stuff that came after. Maybe I'm, like, you know, glossing over the rest of the show. But I, I remember having a really fun time, and I remember messaging you by, by like, going, this is moving nicely. Like, I'm liking the pace of the show. Oh, definitely. The the matches, they weren't they weren't amazing, but they did not outstay their welcome. Yeah. That's the truth. That's what I want Let's from look at my the very wrestling. first match. That's right. <laughs> Average and not overstaying their welcome. <laughs> Speaking of average and not overstaying their welcome, <laughs> Master Watto uh, to Taguchi and Tenzon get beaten in 10 minutes and 31 seconds by the United Empire, Hanare, Francesco, Akira, and TJP. Uh, I, miss, I missed that, remember? Because you were like, are you watching Dominion? I was like, didn't even know it had started. So I didn't actually see that match, so that helped. <laughs> yeah, that one was only 10 minutes and 31 seconds. Then we had um, LIJ. Uh, Hiromu, Naito, and Bushi. Naito on the second match of a Dominion card. Weird. Uh, versus Bone Soldier, Ishimori, Ace Austin, and El Phantasmo. El Phantasmo beats Bushi in eight minutes and four seconds with the CR2. Did you watch that one? Also missed that one. So so yeah. here we go. This, the show's already feeling way shorter when you haven't watched those two <laughs> matches yet. So those yeah, rose-colored glasses are really fogging up right now. So yeah, okay. Oh, I know where you had to come in for. What did I come in for? Four minutes and five seconds, Toriano defeats Doc Gallows. That was what not, I came in for, and I was fucking pumped. <laughs> that was not a King of Pro Wrestling match or anything. I just, I remember that being added to the to the event and going, oh, I guess, you know, as long as I keep it under five minutes, this King of Pro Wrestling stuff. And then I went, wait, Shingo's the King of Pro Wrestling guy now. What? Why is this even here? <laughs> Oof! Why is this here? Yeah. But you know, hey, good for good for Doc. He got a paycheck on on Dominion. Good yeah. for him, I guess. I think Doc Gallows is a really entertaining man. I don't necessarily need to see him like wrestle heaps, but I definitely enjoy that he exists in wrestling. And I've said to you before, yeah. I like him as a heater. I like him in the ring, and I like him being around, and I like him like in promo segments and things like that. I just don't necessarily need to see him in a singles, you know. Epic. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, it's definitely not epic at four minutes and five seconds. <laughs> no, so no. I, they should have. They should have had Doc Gallows come out a hundred percent Sex Ferguson, and uh, yes. and and go at yes. Toriano. That would have been that would have been money. Why he just? I, is, I'd have paid I mean, my hard earned shekels for that. Why he just isn't Sex Ferguson 
full time is 100 boggling to me because that's the best thing that's ever happened. 100 percent, absolutely. Next up, 60 minutes limit, never open weight, six man tag team championships. Only actually goes nine minutes and 26 seconds. Show, uh, Evil and Yujiro Takahashi defeat Kanemaru, Zack Saber Jr. and El Desperado. I, it was their fourth defense of these six man uh, open weight belts. And they defeat, you've got one of the aces of the junior division, El Desperado, Zack Sabre Jr., who should have tied every last one of those nerds into into bows, and Uncle Nobu, who can do the House of Torture shtick better than House of Torture. How did this, how how did that end up that way? Loaded boot. Phantasmo wasn't using it anymore. Shows started using it. They weren't ready for it. I do love that they're like, oh, no, he put something in his knee pad. Or yeah, yeah, pad, whatever it was. Pad. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that was great. It's, yeah, it's shows... fine. You know what? Like, House of Torture and never works well. You know what I mean? Just keep them over there, like, doing their own thing, and you get, like, a fun, cheaty six-man. It's fine. It's fine. It's a good time. Uh, next up, Great O'Con and Jeff Cobb defeat Chase Owen and Bad Luck Valet. Um... Bad Luck Folly and Chase Owens didn't even get one successful defense of V Zero title reign for their tag team title run. Uh, like, as much as I'm not a fan of Chase Owens, uh, I do love Bad Luck Folly, and I do want to see Bad Luck Folly have have a belt. If they were going to take it off of Ocon and and Cobb, you know, they could have the least they could have done is let them do something with it. But it seems like they they gave the belt to them just to take it off of them for one show just to put it back onto them just to take it off of them for one after was, one show. It was literally just for the photo op at the end of the previous like pay-per-view, you know, bullet clubs, yeah. anniversary, standing tour, everybody's got belts. It was literally for that. Yeah. It's so at this point, Ocon and Cobb are two time IWGP heavyweight champions, uh, heavyweight tag team champions, and they've lost it two times, and they've never been pinned for it. Yeah. It's, uh, at least they're, they're being protected. <laughs> they are being protected. They are being protected. Yeah. But when I, I hate, I, I mean, I'm skipping ahead to Forbidden Door, but I usually hate triple threat matches, you know, for that reason. It's like you can see, like, oh, one of these guys is taking the pin so that neither of the big guys has to... Uh, has to take the fall so that's 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 a whole thing we'll get to that i'm sure um but yeah i thought this was really fun uh filet did uh filet he's not he's not a fish sandwich filet uh he's he is so much fun to watch it was really fun to watch jeff cobb and filet have have these like big boy battles together so that that was a good time i really like that that Mm -hmm. match yeah exactly i i I enjoyed the combination of the match. Again, it was just like there for a good time, not for a long time. Uh, when yep. when they were booked to immediately face like the United Empire again straight away and it was like leading towards Forbidden Door and stuff, it, like it was obvious what was going to happen. You know, it was yeah. it was literally just, just you know, it was what it was, but hey, it's a, it's another like stripe on the shoulder of the Bullet Club guys and and it's fine. Yeah, I I do like having Fale like with a belt. He's he's such a general, like <laughs> general. Uh, he's such a leader for for New Japan. It's yeah. nice to see him, um, you know, get these rewards like his 
his run with the IC belt is now his run uh, with his friend chase uh, for the tag team titles. That was, um, that, that was, it was a, a short reign, but it was meaningful to me as a fan of bad luck. Ballet. Exactly. And you know, he, yeah, it's like you say, he does like a lot for new Japan, especially over here, like in Australia uh, and in New Zealand. So, you know, he deserves a, a pat on the back occasionally, I think. Definitely. Definitely. And next up, 60-minute time limit, AEW Interim Championship Elimination Match. <laughs> this was kind of slapped together, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it uh, sure was. Hiroki Goto gets defeated by Hiroshi Tanahashi in 12 minutes and 40 seconds with the high fly flow. Tanahashi moves on to face John Moxley at the Forbidden Door. So, we originally had Hiroshi Tanahashi versus CM Punk. CM Punk gets some sort of foot injury i guess and now they're going oh well now he has to face someone else before he can come and fight for the uh for the AEW title it's like yeah but why yeah it made no (laughs) sense i was like sorry what like and i'm not upset about getting a a goto versus tanahashi match it was a good match they always have fun but it there was no reason for it we could have just had tanahashi show up at forbidden door it was, yeah, it was a weird choice, but, you know, sometimes in wrestling you just need a reason to do it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, we're just going to do the thing, and that's it. But, yeah, it didn't feel like... And also, that that's the thing, right? It's one thing to go, okay, now you need to have a qualifier, but it's like, why would it even be Goto? Because Goto hadn't been doing anything either. It's not like him and yeah. Tanahashi are neck and neck in New Japan, you know? <laughs> it's just... So the... It's just cause I yeah, thought it was a good match, a though. I really, I really enjoyed it. It's it was nice a to great see match. Goto pop and off occasionally. Let's talk. I mean, we talked about the missed opportunity with Tanahashi being the AEW interim heavyweight champion. How about the uh, missed opportunity of Hiroki Goto? <laughs> I mean, know, the internet was being... up in arms about that. That was literally never going to happen. But, uh, <laughs> but imagine that timeline where he upsets Tanahashi and then goes on to beat John Moxley and become the AEW oh. champion. So, so on the Book other side, on the cowards. AEW side, they had a they had a battle royal to see who would face John Moxley, oh, and I think that? it was it was won by Kyle O'Reilly. Oh yeah, it was Kyle O'Reilly. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. And that was that was actually a really good, that was a really good match. But again, yeah, sounds, I didn't get it like because like Kyle O'Reilly's like in a tag team and stuff. I was like, yeah. these are weird choices. Like nobody's really put much respect on this belt. You know what I mean? No, what we should have had is we we should be living in the best timeline where we get like Hiroki Goto versus Luchasaurus to end the night at Forbidden Door. <laughs> <sighs> That would be six stars, seven stars. Throw the them all. End of the world. <laughs> that flap of the Rookie butterfly wings. Dustin Rhodes for the AEW interim title. Chupacabra battle royal. I uh, I would. <laughs> he's seen chupacabras. Uh, yeah, he's, he's seen them. He talks about God them all it. the time. Somebody was like, "Could you stop uh, tweeting about chupa chupacabras?" And he was like, "No, go fuck yourself." <laughs> I mean, awesome. I've seen the I've seen the picture. I've seen the picture that he tweeted out. Yeah. And, you know, I, I can tell you, I know what that is. It yeah. wasn't a chupacabra. Huh? You can't fool me. That's a dog soldier. I've seen that movie. <laughs> there you go. That's awesome. Have you ever yeah. seen Dustin Rhodes in real life? He is a very tall man. Oh, he's like 6'5", isn't he? Yeah. Like, he, he was huge. like, we were lining up at something like uh, StarCast or whatever in Vegas. 
and uh, it's a very tall man behind us trying to get past. And we're like, okay, he's up, buddy. Let's move around and get you through here. He turned around and it was a very tall Dustin Rhodes. And I was like, way bigger than I thought he'd be. <laughs> oh, they call him the natural. Oh, naturally tall. Naturally very, very tall man. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and naturally I, bad at moving forward in lines, unfortunately. Yeah, unfortunately. It was pretty packed, though. It's not like he was being a dick. He was just trying to get past. Uh, and you gotta I'm have like, that Henry there is Rollins nowhere to go. Male. What's you, that? you gotta have that Henry Rollins alpha male like energy to like get through the 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 crowds. Or be like be crafty like everybody my wife. should be more I let like her Henry lead Rollins. the way. I just like hold her hand and let her drag me through because she's real good at it. She's got the alpha male energy. Yeah, she's way more alpha than me. Um, what That's is awesome. the next match? This is <laughs> this is out of control. <laughs> Are we not gonna have the Hiroki Goto cast? No, we're not going to okay. have the Hiroki Goto cast. Uh, he didn't. Goto's. This is how little Goto gave a fuck. He didn't even get new gear for it. You know what I mean? He just still yeah. wore the same blue gear. <laughs> like I remember when he changed over from red to blue, and we were like, "Oh, look at the fabric on that blue gear." Goto's here to fucking play. That was like three years ago, and he's still wearing the same shit. Like, and this is like potentially to be the number one contender for the AEW title, like one of the biggest promotions in America, and he just wore the same shit he's always worn. Like, he, d- he didn't give a fuck. And if Goto... Goto training under a waterfall yeah. to face fucking... No. To, to face Wardlow. No, he hasn't been under a waterfall in fucking years. Like, and that's his problem. <laughs> the G in Forbidden Door stands for Goto, bro. <laughs> Forbidden Door. Yeah. No. Oh, my gosh. Uh, so the next match, speaking of nonsense, was... <laughs> Taichi and Shingo Takagi, ten minutes, and it was a. Oh, how did they put this? Cumulative. Yeah, cumulative. Cumulative kill. score or match? count match. Exactly. It was fun. Yeah, ten minutes exactly. Shingo beats Taichi eleven uh, seconds of pinfall to his ten. Um, these matches. How do they put these together? It always kind of confuses me. I don't know. The timing's how... really clever, but yeah, it's always really impressive. Um. Uh, you know they're saying like okay i'm gonna hit hit you for with this move that's gonna put you down for four seconds uh then we'll faff about for another 30 seconds then uh, you hit me with that that's good for two seconds and it's oh that's a that's a, a a new level of politicking i, I guess, think i guess they're just like calling it on the fly right like i don't know but uh, no 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 there's they can't possibly be calling that on the fly it's on the fly like <laughs> Tai Chi, Tai Chi, you know, he's down by three seconds with like six seconds left in the match. And he's, you know, get, got you down for one. Then he rolls you up for two, but time expires. Ah, they, they can't call that on the fly, dude. Like that had to be. Yeah. No, wait, we're kayfabe. We're kayfabe. Um, uh, obviously, uh, Tai Chi just didn't have what it took to get I- four seconds of pinning. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like it, either way, the timing's really impressive. I feel like the referee must have to be like very heavily involved. Oh, I'm sure of like, it. That's definitely something where the the refs got to be on the ball. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like doing those counts, and really, he would almost be in charge in a sense. Like they're just like we're gonna go, and you just distribute the counts as you see fit. <laughs> like, like... Yeah, like I I hadn't even really thought about how how much the referee was important to these matches. Like the, the referee usually, you know, you want to see him stick in the, in the background uh, of the match and kind of just add to that. But man, he's got to be on the fucking money. eh? Yeah. It's a crazy demanding stipulation to do. 
Yeah, it really is. I I would like I would like them to to go ahead and start doing something different. Uh, so we've had two we've had two you know cumulative matches. What was it? First one to thirty. Yeah, was the first one. Kind and this of one was... all of their little rivalry here is about cumulative wins, really. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. I think this this Iron Man stipulation, you know, ten minute Iron Man match was pretty cool. But let's let's go ahead and do something else. Yeah, now. let's get to the island. Get to oh, let's. John Rajima? Yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Yeah, Let's right. do it. Tai Chi, like the, the the bad guy from Enter the Dragon. Yeah. You know, he's got a room full of mirrors and stuff. Yeah, and... that's it. That's what, that's why he oh, should have got... been the champion. Do you think oh, they're so going cool. to turn it into a belt? Or do you think Shingo's going to have, have to, like, carry around this shitty statue? Because he's been literally showing disdain for it whenever <laughs> he has it around. I'm going to tell you what. I Shingo didn't even come out with it at Forbidden Door. Like they were like, "Oh, he's the interim king of pro wrestling champion." Blah blah blah. He didn't even have it with him. Why would he bring it? It's gonna take up precious luggage space. I yeah. I I would go back and tell Bushi Road that it was lost. Like, oh, they they must have thrown my fucking trophy. They must have thrown my fucking bags out over the Pacific Ocean somewhere. I'm sorry, the trophy's at the bottom of the ocean. They're You're like, that's okay, we've got better. more, and they just open a cupboard door backstage and just like, just roll out. Like, <laughs> <laughs> hundreds of we them. We had 70 of them made. <laughs> they were going to be for the staff yeah. Christmas party, like a, you know, most valuable team member and stuff like that, but then it became the KOPW thing, and we're just going to use them forever. Oh god! And you just see Shingo's heart just drops, and he's like, "God damn it!" He like calls an audible in the lose. ring and loses it on purpose. Like, <laughs> I don't want to lose, but I don't want to carry this piece of shit. Uh, he's like, I'm uh, "So it. the next match was a sixty-minute time limit, never open weight championship match." Tama Tonga loses in his first defense against yeah. the Machine Gun Carl Anderson in 16, 16 minutes and twenty-seven seconds with the gun stun. This one was. Really good, really fun match. Break break this down um, a little bit for me, because I'm not going to lie. I did need to go to McDonald's in the middle of this match to ensure that I had some food in my stomach before the main event, and so Tama had to pay the price. And I was going to go back and watch it, but I have not. Um, you chose you, you chose specifically not to ignore the KOPW match. It was too late. <laughs> like it was, we were kind of already watching that and stuff, and then the hunger became very real. And Amy was like, I need nuggets. And I was like, me too. <laughs> I bailed yeah. out. Filet of fish sandwich or the never open weight belt match. Mm, I guess I know where your heart lies. That's, I understand. I did not get a filet um, of fish, but uh, that is a delicious sandwich. I think I went crazy and got like a double quarter pounder, like large meal, and we shared like 20 nuggets or something stupid. It was ridiculous. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, so the match was basically built around like Carl Anderson and his, how he passed down the gun stun to Tomatonga. And it was, it was really like a, I've shown you everything, you know, but I didn't show you everything I know match. Like the, the, the closing stretch was really just like reversing gun stun after reversing gun stun after reversing gun stun. But Anderson can go when he wants to, and babyface Tamatanga is a lot of fun to watch. So yeah. I, I, I would have loved to have seen uh, Tama win and carry the the never open way belt into the G one. 
Um, unfortunately, that did not happen. We get Carl Anderson, who is not even in the G1 as the never open weight champion. Kind of, I, I, I look at you quizzically. Um, it, any thoughts on that? Hmm. It was a choice, but I don't think it's super necessary for like the never champion to be in it. Like, who cares? And I guess it, it definitely isn't over between those two. You know what I mean? It's almost like the first chapter of the story. And you can understand why they went that way because Carl is returning to New Japan. He's got like a, you know, a solid rep from his time before, you know, former G1 finalist, all these things. So they need to bring him in with some heat, right? And what bigger heat than like, you know, newly minted baby face champion just kind of goes down immediately. And it doesn't hurt Tama. It, like, if anything, he'd only just been elevated. And it just kind of continues his ascension sort of through the ranks. And unfortunately, he had to go down to his teacher. But then eventually, he'll overcome his teacher. And yeah, it's, it's just the story, you know? Yeah, I think when you say it's not really important for the Never Open Weight Champion to be in the G1, like, I'm going to hit you back with this. It's supposed to be the best singles wrestlers that new japan has to offer and it's a single title so i mean it should be then again they probably want someone to represent new japan on american tv while they're in the middle of the g1 and i mean having the, never, the, never, the never title has been in america quite a bit you know jay's held it there ishii's had it there mm-hmm. you know that kind of stuff and yeah i was i was really surprised that um carl wasn't in g1 but I guess that kind of gives you the sort of thing. It's like the G1 was already announced. It's sort of, you know, a given that these champions will be in there, but then somebody that wasn't available to be in the G1 or wasn't really with the company when all the selections were done, supposedly, or whatever, can then still come in and win it. And it just, you know, keeps you on your toes a little bit. Because I, I personally felt like going into it, I was like, well, Tom is in the G1. He was announced like second or whatever after Okada. He's the never open weight champion. He will just still hold it. And then when Carl wins, you're like a little bit more surprised because you're like, oh, okay, they, they swerved us. It was definitely a surprise. It was definitely, yeah, once they announced that Anderson was not in the G1, I was like, oh, man, no problem then. Exactly. Uh, so the next match was for the vacant IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship match, Sonata versus Will Ospreay for the cursed Big Red, big red Belt. Um, Sonata loses 12 minutes and 48 seconds via Stormbreaker. Will Ospreay is your new United States heavyweight champion. No belt. The, no the belt, belt did not get received. It. Yeah, I, I, they're going back to doing the you're not the real champion, I'm the real champion, I was never beaten thing that they were just doing with Will and his uh, world heavyweight belt. Yeah. Oof. Um, why are they doing that again? I don't know. Tell tell me about this match real quick, because now I'm now I'm realizing why Dominion felt so fast to me. It's because I missed the first two <laughs> matches, and then I went and got food at like halfway through the open weight match, and also missed this match. I just saw like the very end of it, and then then it was just the title. So for me, it was like a couple of fun matches, and then Jay shit. So yeah, it felt a quite a bit faster. <laughs> yeah, it's the, the, when, I you, had when you do it abridged like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This abridged uh, version so, was really the way to do it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so I, I heard you know, it was get, a good match. Though, great right? tags the beginning, and then and then the, all the cream at the end. Yeah, yeah so exactly. Fine. Like I heard this was a good match. I honestly meant to 
you obviously know why I am not up to date on this stuff, but like um, I I had intended to to go back uh, and check this one out because I I heard it was actually a really good match and Sonata was showing like what we were starting to like in him before he got injured. Yeah, I think he was he was coming back and he was coming back from injury. Like we said, he's he had a a, a broken face. Uh, his his beautiful face was scarred. And Is it how's broken. it looking? Is it looking beautiful? No, he's fine. Yeah, he's a gorgeous man. Uh, but yeah, he comes comes back and he's showing that fire. You know, Will Osprey, you you broke my everything, and I'm gonna you know take it to you. And he just could not get over the hump. I th- this must have been the match that they were going to have originally after the uh, after the New Japan Cup, and they're just kind of picking up the booking where it was left off, yeah, okay. I guess. Uh, plus, when you have Will Ospreay on AEW television quite often, it's good to have, you know, have a champion on TV, yeah. especially with someone the with with the acumen and the flair of a Will Ospreay. Um, you would you wouldn't have been watching like the Dynamites leading up to like Forbidden Door and stuff, but there was quite a lot of six man tag action, like Will Ospreay and Aussie Open versing AEW wrestlers, like usually. Uh, like Rocky and Trent and Orange Cassidy and all those guys. But like Will Ospreay was over, man. Like him and the United Empire and AEW are like over. And some of the shit he was doing in those matches, like the crowd was going mental because like oh, yeah. not not a, not many people can deliver like he can deliver in those situations. And then Aussie Open with him are, are just like as a trio, they're awesome as well. So um yeah they that team was absolutely pumping and I I think, yeah, I think uh, oh yeah sorry you go I, I think Aussie Open might be my favorite tag team in the world right now yeah like right. they oh. I, for probably the last three or four years I've been a yeah. been a fan since maybe 2019 I think was the first time I saw them great yeah. great in every way uh you know they they kind of disappeared through pandemic of course but they're back now and they're they're on fire, dude. I can't wait to see him in the World Tag League. Yeah. And I mean, it's good to see them healthy again because just, I don't remember the exact timeline, but I know that like, um, like, uh, oh, what's his name? I just, not Kyle. Davis. Davis. Davis got that knee injury right at like the start yeah. of the pandemic. So it was almost like they were out anyway. And then like the lockdown happened and like he was just rehab, you know, basically the entire time. So, at yeah. least, um, at least their downtime wasn't like the world kept on super ticking on without them. So, uh, that now that they've come back and they're they're physically healthy, like it's easy to forget how big both guys are. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you, you see them next to Osprey and stuff, and you're like, man, Davis is huge, but even Kyle is like actually quite big. And as he fills out and stuff, like they're gonna be. Yeah, he's boys. he's currently he must be training with Osprey because he's kind of filling out his body and stuff like that. And too. He, as he gets older too, because he was really young. Like I started. So. Yeah, I I really just can't wait for them to be in World Tag League. They should have been in World Tag League in 2019, but of course, like we said, Davis was uh, injured, and then there was pandemic concerns, and they had to go back to Australia. It's just been really kind of ugly. And um, yeah, the future's looking really bright for them, dude, because they're good. Yeah, no, they're awesome. Um, but yeah, back back to the the match. I think what's going on with the US title and you know who's got the belt and blah blah. I mean, a lot of that as well. I don't think was original plan stuff. I mean, everybody keeps on getting injured. 
you know, the Sonata with the eye, Will with his kidneys, then Juice's appendix, you know what I mean? Like, it just, it keeps getting, and I, I think it was a case of like, because Juice was supposed to be at Dominion, like, he literally was rushed to the hospital from his hotel room to get his appendix out, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So then they've just gone, oh, well, he's a heel, he's physically got the belt, we'll just, like, leave it on him and stuff. And uh, at Forbidden Door, you saw him there, like, in the crowd, and there was sort of fan videos of him, like, jeering at people and, like, holding the belt up and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So they were, they were doing stuff, you know? The, the promo that he cut with right. Jay, oh, man, that gave me so many 1997 WCW vibes. Yeah, yeah. I was so excited. Oh, Jay, uh, sorry, Jay and Juice together. That's the one where he, That's, like, cuts him off right at the start, hey? Like, they kind of introduce him, and, yeah. and Juice just starts talking, and Jake kind Let of Let me just tell like, you something, Shivani. Yeah, and then, <laughs> and then, and then like... Jay just sort of looks at him like, "Who the fuck's in charge here?" Kind of thing is. Yeah. It was it was great, yeah. yeah. Like Jay, Jay, usually one of the best interviews in the world, and just had nothing compared to what Juice was giving out. Man, Juice was giving you pro wrestling. Yeah, and I it love was it. Fucking rad. He's just leaning into it, and the ones he's been cutting himself, like just on YouTube, uh, they're like, "I won't be at Dominion," and and he talks about like <laughs> he talked about like Will Ospreay's like kidneys being too weak and stuff and then his appendix goes and blows out and like, <laughs> you know and was, he's like you're physically not hard enough to compete with me and shit so yeah he's he's on fire right now and he's only just getting started with that character and he's already delivering like some great promos so i can't wait till he's actually fit and i think we're gonna see some great things from juice we did we did miss out on an opportunity to have juice as Tony Storm's like ring girl coming down <laughs> at Forbidden Door. Yeah, yeah, that would have been great. That would be They're coming down in their matching leather jackets or something. <laughs> Interchangeable leather jackets. Uh, but yeah, that would have um, been so good. But either way, it's I guess it's a good thing that Sonata's back. Like I said, I didn't didn't catch it, but hopefully he keeps on improving because I was just starting to <laughs> like him. Yeah, no, I think Sonata's finally like getting there for a lot of people, so that's good. Hopefully he continues and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see him achieve great things in the coming years. Final match of the night, IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. Jay White defeating Kazuchika Okada in 36 minutes and four seconds with the Blade Runner. Jay, Wright, Jay White is the new IWGP World Heavyweight Champion, Sikai Heavyweight Champion, Jay Hoito. Yes. Tell me about this. How'd you feel? Um... Really good. I, I was really excited to go into the match. It felt like it felt like there could be a legitimate change, but it also felt like it could stay. You know, it was one of those really fun matches where you're like, this could go either way. And sometimes with Okada defenses, and especially like when it was the V4 belt and they were very, you know, careful about title changes and stuff, it was almost a foregone conclusion all the time that Okada wins, you know. So this one had you on the edge of your seat the entire time. And then on top of that, it was like an amazing match. And it was really like Jay White's match. He controlled it, his interaction with the fans. He was just working, man. And it was, it was fucking cool. It was a, it was a really good match. Uh, and then that's not even saying anything about the aftermatch promos, both in the ring and backstage. Oh, my God, yes. Uh, Jay, he's on another level right now when it comes to promos. It's, it's just ridiculous. How did you do you feel about the ending? Because obviously, yeah, you always have like those epic Okada ending stretches, but like the Blade Runner, such a 
protected move or whatever, and it, it's feeling like a car just building momentum, building momentum, and then it's just like, bang, one, and it's over, just like that. I, I think, yeah, Jay's, for the longest time, the one-winged angel was the move that was the most protected yeah. in, in all of uh, New Japan, and then it moved on to AEW. I think the Blade Runner is at that level. Yeah, he hits the Blade Runner, and you don't get up. No, I don't. You know, think, I don't the, think he's ever. I don't. I don't think we've seen anybody kick out of it, have we? Off the top of my head, I can't think of any no. that have kicked out. Of we it. might be wrong, it's, but I don't think so. Fans know. Fans are trained. You know, you hear you hear the pop when he hits when he hits that Blade Runner. No, it's so over. It's a wrap. Exactly right. It's the same as same as the Rainmaker as well. Like I mean, they spent a long time rehabilitating that move. Uh, for that reason, they're those one-hit kills, you know, and when, when it happens, yeah. you're like, oh, fuck, it's done. Like, the moment he hit it, I was like, oh, my God, it's over. Like, that was just it. Like, and it was 30, 36 minutes long. It didn't feel it. It didn't feel it. It felt like a 20-minute match. I, I, was, I was enraptured the whole time. Yeah. Great it, match. It was really cool. Uh, let me ask you this. So, Jay White main events, obviously, his Wrestle Kingdom main event against Ibushi was epic and also had, yeah. you know, some pretty epic promo moments after it in the loss. Do you think this was a better match than that? Because him and Ibushi was really special. Like, that was a really epic Wrestle Kingdom main event. Did you enjoy this more or that? I, I think that I really loved the Wrestle Kingdom match more. No, no, sorry. I, I, loved, the, I loved this match more but I love the Wrestle Kingdom promo afterwards that, that made it feel better for me. That promo where people were like, what is going on with Jay White? Is he going to hang himself when he leaves here? Is he going to end up in WWE? What the fuck is going on with this guy? That whole time when he was like the, I mean, he kind of is now, but like after that, he was the hottest property in wrestling. Everybody was like, who the fuck is this guy? And then unfortunately, like he wasn't really able to capitalize, right? Because then after that, it's all pandemic stuff. So everyone's yeah. like, is he going to WWE? Is he doing Nobody's going anywhere. The world is locked down, you know? And, and he became very quiet until now. I mean, this is like his first real New Japan match back, right? Like yeah, since then is. almost, because he's done stuff with Impact and things like that. But that was his like first big match back. So if you zip away all that time and just look at New Japan time, it's like, that happens, he goes away, breaks down, time passes, he comes back and then just wins the title. Like, yeah, that's, you know, people were saying, you know, Jay's, when Jay comes back, has he lost his spot? Things like that. Evidently not, man. No. It looks like, it looks like, you know, New no. Japan knows, knows what they have with Jay. Yeah, nah, and they know how special anyway. a performer he really is. And, and they, they strapped that rocket right back up his ass. Yeah. So it's, he's, yeah, he's, He's their number one fucking guy, like, right now. I mean, obviously, Okada is too, but when you're talking big fours and stuff, people are like, you can't replace Kenny, blah, blah, blah. They did. You know what I mean? They're like, all right, onwards and upwards, and New Japan are great at doing that because they keep everybody it's always well-heated. Always. somebody to go. Yeah. Always next man up. Yeah. They, so. they, they will not fail to just put the next dude in your spot. But just deliver on doing that as well, which is amazing. You see like companies like WWE struggle to do that over and over again and miss times to capitalize on people. And you're like, why didn't you go with that guy then? That's when he was catching fire, all these things. Like their company is littered with the bodies 
people they didn't take advantage of. You know what I mean? Like there was like a famous one just off at the top of my head. There was a time when Kofi Kingston like had that rivalry with uh, Randy Orton and he was like the crowd had never been hotter for anybody kind of thing. And it's like now's the time to light the fuse on him and they just never did it, you know. And that stuff goes on and on. But like New Japan, like at any point, it feels like almost any star on their roster, if they pull the trigger on somebody, they're next up. Like, and that's just it. Yeah, I think it, they, they, it shows that they trust their own booking. They trust their, their storytelling and they trust their products. Yeah. And they trust their to... talent. I guess that's the dojo system, yeah. right? They know everybody can deliver. They've known them. They've built them from the ground up straight through. They trust everybody. All their, all their wrestlers are, are there for life essentially, you know, when you come through that system. And that they got it. Like, even look at, like, Juice. You know what I mean? Like, he uh, obviously had been NXT and all that stuff. He went, they went, yeah, we'll just bring you in. He goes, no, I want to do it the right way. I want to come through the dojo. I want to do it all properly. And he did. And then the pandemic happens. He was away for ages. He's talking all that shit in interviews. No, I'm not going to do anything. I'm done with wrestling, blah, blah, blah. And then they just don't even hesitate to pull the trigger on him, bam, and he just delivers again. You know what I mean? Because he's like, they're just locked in. And I think their system is the best in the world. Like, and people have to be patient. They have to wait. But if they do, they really do get rewarded in time. Yeah. You know? I, I often wonder how how early in their dojo training do they do they pick those guys and say, that dude. That dude's going to be a world champion. Unfortunately, that guy's not, and probably never will be. But like, I think where, where very early on. But then I think that sometimes people can surprise them. So, like, I think Okada, for instance, they knew that one, once they had him anyway. Like, because uh, like, didn't they? They didn't take him initially, right? He went to Mexico and then came back. But yeah, like he was, what, they they him? wouldn't take him until he turned eighteen, so he went to Mexico for two years. What a fucking man! Hey, like imagine that, like coming out of high school at sixteen. I want to be a wrestler. Sorry, kid, you're not old enough. Come back in two years. Sweet, I'm flying to fucking Mexico to yeah. train there as a sixteen year old Japanese boy, and I'm going to return to do what I want to do. And not only will I return, I'll come back as like the fucking the man. Like basically the baddest ass motherfucker. Yeah. yeah. And so like, I think they knew with him once they had him back, I think it was very clear that he's that. And then, but then you look at somebody like Naito and Hiromu, I think they were people that they didn't think were going to be that. And then were very pleasantly surprised. I and, don't know. When Hiromu came back, he came back with a vengeance looking at, but, you know, looking at Kushida. Yeah. But, the, like the stories before he went away, how he was like unpopular in the dojo, you know, like like people didn't really like him as much. That like Naito had him under his wing from pretty early on because he like you know took a shining to him, but apparently the other students didn't get on with him or didn't think he was good or whatever, and used to work with him and stuff. From what I heard, like helped him in his training because he wasn't gelling with like the other students and stuff. Then he goes away and becomes like essentially the time bomb in Mexico. And then when he came back, they knew. But that's like another thing. I don't think they would have earmarked him from day one as like, this guy's going to be a, like one of the biggest juniors we've ever seen. I think they'd be right. like, he's just a, he's just a guy. Like, and I mean, I, there's got to be those that they earmark for greatness that just don't pan out too. Yeah. So. I mean, look at somebody like Kitamura. 
it was like pretty clear that they were like grooming him to be like, oh, this guy, he's fucking drag and drop. Let's give him Goldberg's move set. As soon as he's yep. gone on excursion, we'll just drop him in and he'll be our monster. And then he just flames out, you know. So yeah. my, my question to you then, we're on, off on a huge tangent now, but in the... That's okay. We got time. Yeah, Let's exactly. Go. We, the, we missed a week. We can get, get exactly. extra We're getting in. Strap in, people. We haven't even got to Forbidden Door yet. Um, in the current crop of young lions, who do you think they have earmarked for success? Because there are some, some pretty high-level prospects coming up now. Are you talking about in the, that are on excursion now or that are currently in, in, in Japan? In Japan. Well, actually, you in know, Japan, both. Right? Let's, let, let's look at both. I, obviously, obviously the big one, the, the first one is going to be coming back as shooter. Yeah. Like that kid is it, you know, he's, he's probably the one I'm most excited to see come back. And I think they knew um, that, right? Like when he um, was, yeah. yes, and who his absolutely. dad is and stuff. They're like this, kid has the business in his blood he's gonna be awesome. i don't even i don't even know if it's really like because they always mention it oh that's his dad red shoes blah blah blah. but it's like that's not it man he's got something i don't know if it's the hair or whatever like he feels the, the like a tanahashi moxley yeah he feels like he feels like a junior tanahashi you know like yeah yeah they they tied him to moxley right away yeah which is huge and that even felt like yeah. impromptu right like i think moxley just fucked with him and then they like kept sort of doing it for entertainment but well they yeah. they had to give moxley something because yeah. he's not going to have singles matches his entire first run in, in japan right before the g1 right yeah so they had to give him something he wasn't going to join a stable because he's you know this like loose cannon character and things like that so they had to give him something and they that's what like he moxley comes in he beats juice in a really good match wins the u.s title and the next match they have him on is a, you know, it's a match with a young lion. And I was like, that's like, you know, a, a train versus a, a, a dog or something. It's just going to run him over. Yeah. And then, yeah, he beats the absolute snot out of the kid, drags him around. This is my new boy. Look at, <laughs> he adopts him right there. Yeah. Um, yeah. John Moxley's first kid shooter. I, I, I loved those backstage promos. Yeah. Those were the best. The, they, they had to have, trusted Shoto Amino at some point, yeah. you know, to say this kid's got, you know, he, he was earmarked for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, Yuya, I think is, is earmarked as well. Yeah. Um, the, yeah, that's just going to be greatness coming from those guys. Um, those are the, the two that I think are going to be the biggest as far as in Japan right now, uh, still in the dojo, not excursion level yet. Um, Gosh, Oiwa, Oiwa's. I mean, really all, Oiwa's. they're all looking pretty, pretty promising in like the new crop. Like, uh, I don't know what new, like the New Japan Dojo is doing different now, but like the, like, I guess the physical conditioning of like the young lions at the moment, they're all ripped to the gills. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it didn't used to Definitely. be that. Like, when you think of Okan and stuff, you know, he was just, like, a little tubby boy. And then, like, you know, he obviously rebuilt himself quite a way. Uh, but they were all, and it was, like, Oka and Kawado and then, obviously, Kitamura and stuff like that. They were all shapes and sizes. But at the moment, all those dudes aren't fucking around with their nutrition or their physical fitness or anything. They're all just, like, ripped, like, to the gills. Yeah. 
the rigs yeah. on those guys, Kurt. The rigs. The, the rigs, bro. <laughs> Check out their rigs. Yeah. Do you think Welcome Okan... Rig Watch 2023. There's no way Okan was marked as, like, future major star. Like, there's no way he was. Uh, I, I, I don't think he was. I think they, they saw the wrestling acumen that he has. Yeah. And then they saw the reactions that he started getting from people. Yeah. And I, I think... <sighs> So with his with his run that they had in RevPro, like he was in RevPro for what two two and a half years, and did not suffer a loss. He was never beaten his entire run on excursion. Really, I, did, so, I didn't know he was yeah. undefeated in RevPro. Undefeated in RevPro, like he wow. he had uh, tag belts. I think that he had to just like drop because he just left for Japan. So yeah, uh, yeah I, I think maybe they did. Maybe they did have something for him. You know? Yeah. Who knows? Maybe. He's, he's, they also didn't he, count on him fucking being like savior of the people. You know what I mean? Like yeah. crime fighter, like all the things. Big shooter. Party oh, yeah. fucking boy. Like like he just keeps being so surprising. So like, uh, yeah, I don't know. He's he's a special talent. Like he, he really is. Yeah. He really is. And I he's, think he's fucking on one potential. at the moment on social media as well. Like he doesn't give a fuck. Like. It's just every other day I've got to like screen cap something and send it to my wife and be like, your boy's out here wiling again. He's, fucking, you know? <laughs> he's been sending some shit. I eh? like Jesus Christ. He's on one. I'm not, I'm not sure like those United empire boys are a good influence on him to tell you the truth. <laughs> or are they the best influence? Well, that, I, or is be, he a bad influence on them? We don't know. So he's a dark horse. Maybe, maybe he's the bad influence mm-hmm. on everybody, but yeah. 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 It just kind of screams of them just like taking him places and him just being about it and them just being so entertained by him is what what it seems like. He's he's one of those people that just goes hundred percent all in, no you know, all all go no quit, big nuts, like let's fucking do it. Yeah, yeah. And uh yeah. They're they're like, Hey, do Vegas and he goes, I'll go no quit, big nuts, Vegas time, let's go. <laughs> Get ready. Here we go. Now that's fucking yeah. awesome. All right, so back to the main event. Uh or of Dominion, Dominion and let's yeah. let's wrap it all up. Um it was it was a fucking coming out party for Jay. Uh I think I mean as if he hadn't had enough already and it cemented him as the number one number one spot in New Japan for the time being and I, yeah. I think uh it's gonna be it's gonna be a run, man. It's gonna be. And I think people are finally gonna get to see what we've been hiding in Japan for, you know, the last few years, like what, what we've known about that hasn't really, he, he you know, he's, he hit a little bit in impact. He flirted a little bit in AEW and now it's time. You yeah. know, people are going to really notice Jay White now. When he came out, uh, I mean, we'll talk about this when we get to it, but when he came out at forbidden door, like to his reaction. So I was like, this is a fucking star. And I was like, that's like one of the biggest pops of the show. Until Okada came out. <laughs> and then I was yeah. like, you know what I mean? Which was ballistic. But like, yeah, he's he's huge and I think every like he's got America's eyes very interested in. Definitely. Definitely. So uh Dominion, altogether, good show. Sure. Don't think it was on the level it was shorts. It was shorts. Yeah. I don't think it was on the level of you know, the, the shows we've had before. Nah, we, we were on a bit of a tear of some pretty amazing shows, and though it had a phenomenal main event, now that you break it down for me and run back all the matches, I was definitely looking with some rose-colored glasses. So though it was good, though it was short, uh, it, was, it, was, it was just solid. I don't think it was like... Yeah. We, we had some really amazing pay-per-views leading up to that. So we're going to 
go to some New Japan Road shows leading up to Forbidden Door from there because there were a couple of really good matches. We had a show on Monday the 20th from Corican Hall. The We're going to go straight up to the fifth match, which was Clark Connors defeating Hanma in 11 minutes and 29 seconds uh, in a qualifier first round for the new AEW All-Atlantic Championship. Uh, the trophy kill, great move. The big slam from, from Big Clark. And um, yeah, the, the four people that they picked for this AEW All-Atlantic Championship qualifier mini tournament they had, Hanma, Clark Connors, Big Tommy, and Uncle Nobu. Could they have done better for this qualifying tournament? I don't know. Everybody's kind of busy, and I don't think they terribly give a fuck about like AEW's belts that they're not going to win, so I don't think they were really putting too much stock into it. Um, mm-hmm. I think they were all fun matches, though, you know, and they're, yeah, they're, this... not, they're not going to put aside any of their own booking and stuff for doing anything. So I'm glad that they, again, trust their people and put shine on them where they had the opportunity. And look where that ended up as well. Like with Ishii's yeah. like, injury, they could have gone, oh, we thought we've got to put in another match to put in a bigger style. They went, oh, Clark's in then. There you go, yeah, mate. That's the thing about... Like, you know what I mean? He's only fresh out of the a, dojo. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing about booking a, a mini tournament is you you don't have an excuse not to put in yeah. the, the other person who but, was in that match. But it's so, wrestling. You can make up some bullshit. The same as they can just have a, another qualifier with Goto. They could be like, oh, since Tomohiro Ishii is injured... We're just going to have uh, the previous guy, Clark Connors, now have to qualify over Naito. You know what I mean? Like, they just have that match for no reason. But they went, you know what? Backing Clark is one of our boys. We know he's going to deliver. In you go. With all these fucking yep. ex-WWE superstars, go out there and kill it. And he did, which we'll he did. talk about when we get, we'll to, get that to that one. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, uh, the, the next match was uh, Big Tommy and Tomohiro Ishii versus Uncle Nobu, Yoshinobu Kanemaru. 19 minutes and 37 seconds it took for Tomohiro Ishii to beat Uncle Nobu. Did you watch this match? I didn't watch this match. I didn't watch the oh, previous bro, it was match. so good. Yeah, I've, I've had a lot going on, but I, uh, I, did, yeah. I didn't see any of this qualifier stuff. Do want to go back and watch it again? I'm a big Clark Connors fan. Everybody in this tournament, I've talked about my love of Honma and Nobu and Ishii. Uh, so I do want to get them watch. I might even watch them today, actually. Today's like my first day off in so long, it feels like. Uh, so maybe I'll go back and watch them. Uh, of this Road 2 stuff that we're going to talk about, it's going to be you telling me about it because I really only got to catch the um, Hiromu Ishimori title match. Yeah, that was that was a very good one. We'll get to that one in a second. Yeah, the Tomohiro Ishii and Yoshinobu Kanemaru, 19 minutes of fucking awesomeness i think uh, tommy is a great like barrel of a of a baby face like he comes out people know what you're gonna get and kenamaru can do fucking anything i'm just convinced that he's 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 the best hand that they have in the junior division like you have aces you have stars kenamaru is the dude that you can call on to do anything and he came out and they they put on a fucking show. It was so much fun. Go back and watch that one. Uh, the next match, the seventh match of that day for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Champions uh, Championships, we had TJP and Francesco Akira beat Yoshinobu... I'm sorry, sorry. Uh, Ryusuke Taguchi and Master Wado. They beat him in 24 minutes and 15 seconds. 
with a finishing move called the Leaning Tower. Um, it was it was good. It was fine. Tell me about um, this finishing I, move. I love tag team finishes. What's the go? Um, it's you know one where one dude picks up a dude and the other dude kind of slams him down. It just looked like a thing to me. Oh, okay. I was hoping for something yeah. like, I mean, they were both incredibly talented, so I was hoping for something dynamic and exciting. Um, no, I mean, it was, it was fine. It was, <laughs> you seem really jacked on it. <laughs> it was, wait, no, no, it was, it was cool. It was the, um, I was thinking of the wrong move. It's a, so it was kind of like a devastation device, like the, the old, um, Legion of Doom finisher what, on the shoulders, got him, got him up on the shoulders, and the other dude came off. Except he hit him with a cutter off of the. Oh off the yeah, that's fucking badass. I mean, as if a, like a clothesline isn't dangerous enough. So so what? TJP gets a dude on on his shoulders, and then yep. Akira cutters Akira him comes from off the, the top. top rope with a cutter. That's badass, man. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, see, that's what I'm talking yeah. about. Awesome. It took a second. It took yeah, a second because yeah, okay. I was like, I was like, I. They just did like a GTR or something like that. <laughs> Something <laughs> a GTR like fucking they just do Goto's fucking secondary finish. <laughs> yeah, it was it was pretty baller, yeah. dude. Like a really good finishing yeah. move. Um, I think if someone was saying that they really think that uh, TJP and Francesco Akira give off like Motor City Machine Gun vibes, which is fucking huge. So I mean, is is that the level like just rapid fire sort of offense? It really felt. Like they were very smooth. I mean, we like talk all very the time frequent about tags, like very smooth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They work really well together. I think they they they've still got time to develop. There's still areas where they could develop, but like you can see a really good little tag team going there. Yeah. And well, they are fresh blood in that junior tag division, and I, I really can't wait to see what they can do, especially if we can start getting in some junior tags from or. or, or just lightweight tags from other divisions or, or other companies. It's going to be good times. Yeah. Um, I really think they're onto a good thing pairing those two together. Um, just somebody as seasoned as TJP constantly working with Akira is going to desperately accelerate Akira's growth. Um, oh, yeah. And he, that's on the job training that's going to fucking exactly. make you real. It's what happy. they've been trying to do with Wado over there with Taguchi, but it ain't really happening. Whereas, like, you're just going to see Akira just, like, be be up to the standard that New Japan want him at very quickly. Definitely. Uh, so we're going to go the next day, the 21st, Tuesday the 21st, to the AEW All-Atlantic Championship Qualifier. Big Tomo defeats Clark Connors with a vertical drop brain buster. Um, I thought this was a pretty good match. Uh, Clark Connors is... He's not the biggest dude, but then again, neither is Ishii. He is, however, a very strong man, as is Ishii, and so this was um, this was a good big boy battle. I mean, they're not—they're both not big boys, but they—it was a good big boy battle. Unit um, battle. Lots of, yeah, unit battle. That's a good way to put it. Lots of um, spears and throws and big clotheslines and that elusiveness from Connors, like I thought, might actually carry the day for him. Uh, but then, yeah, vertical drop brain buster will plant you down. Uh, unfortunately, Big Tomo injured yeah. during the match. So instead of going off to see Big Tomo versus Miro, which, you know, I got to admit that that was shorts to me, just the thought of it. Yeah. Clark Connors gets put into the 
AEW four-way All-Atlantic Championship match. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, boy showed out. I, boy I showed out. I was stoked about it because I was like, what a great opportunity. Like, the mm-hmm. every, every young line works so hard you know, with, with so little, um, I guess, promise, like, on the right. On the horizon. That's no. That's not the wrong way. That's the wrong way of saying it. I mean, like, no real time frame. You know, look at somebody yeah. like Michael Richards, like in the documentary with Lions Raw. He's been there for years, grinding. You know, and had like an opportunity, and it didn't really work out, and it put him back to square one and stuff like that. The level of work those guys need to do is amazing, and it is really nice to see the company back him in. Something you know goes wrong, and they just go back in our dude. Let's put him in that situation. And if he delivers, then you've just built yourself another star. And I think that's exactly what they have done. And I felt like he was over, like, in the match. And I think the – but I'm, I'm already talking about Forbidden Door. Let's, let's talk about, about that when we come to it. But either way, uh, I think he made the most out of that opportunity. Well, let's, let's talk about that because, you know, we talked about how Michael Richards didn't put his best foot forward when he got his first shot at Japan. And that could be a killer yeah. for a lot of dudes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm, I really am glad they did that documentary about it because, like, without that, you know, I, I never would have considered myself a fan of the guy. Uh-huh. It's like, oh, it's just that's that's Foley's trainee over in um, in New Zealand. Like, you know, wasn't that impressive? You know, we'll yeah. see, yeah. you know, that sort of stuff like that. But like. That one misstep. Yeah. Like you said, put him back at square one yeah. and he took that shit seriously. Yeah. Any anybody anybody with less mental toughness would have folded yeah. right there. And uh yeah, dude. It's the way of the warrior, man. Like if you look at samurai movies and karate movies and kung fu movies and all this kind of stuff, like it's about the journey, you know, of the warrior and that's how New Japan look at it. Like it's you don't just get it because you're there sort of thing you've got to earn it and if you have a setback then you've got to work hard to get to the next spot and they won't give up on you as long as you don't give up on yourself and it may take a while but they won't like write you off or anything it's not like you're like hit catering and never come back like you know Mm -hmm. other companies blackball people and stuff like that you know or or release them and stuff they don't release people they're just like we just need to keep working and you'll get there again like and and that i think can be hard for some guys to have patience with but if you are having a real hard time with them that's not for you then you're probably in the wrong company you need to know what you're signing up for before you get into it but you'll have a job for life if it if it works you know yep yep and And even even if you have to step away for a while and and join a different company like you can come back like they did with uh with carl anderson yes so is like with open arms it wasn't like hey we had a massive Wrestle Kingdom and then you, Doc, and Shinsuke and, like, AJ left and fucked us all over. You're now blackballed. They're like, go and, you know, get your best opportunity and please let us know if you need help. Like, and then come back in. Welcome with open arms. Put a title straight on him. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because they know who he is. Like, and that's, uh, that's I think, to be commended. So, so what I'm saying through this is maybe someday Devitt comes back. One one hundred percent, I could see Devitt coming back. If he ever leaves WWE, you would you would see him work with New Japan again. He loves New Japan. Like you hear it in interviews and stuff. We talks about like he loved his time. You know, he loved being a young boy and like doing all those things. Like 
yeah, he he definitely would. Whether he ever leaves, you know, how much money they're paying, I guess. Like, but but if he ever did, you could you could see him working in Japan again, definitely. Definitely. So, and and you know, I think Clark Connors has done nothing but succeed at what they've asked of him. They asked for him to come back and do this best with Super Juniors, and they were like, "You're not going to have a fantastic record." but you go out there and you have good matches. You're going to have singles matches at Kirk and Hall. And, you know, that's, that's a big show. That's a big show for them. Then he, they, they say, okay, you did really good. You want some more singles matches at Kirk and Hall? Cool. You know, they're, they're just road two shows, mm-hmm. but, you know, you're, you're getting tied to AEW. Yeah. Hey, you know, cool. wrestle some heavyweights. So, it'll be, it'll be fun. And get, get, yeah. look at that ring experience in there with Honma, in there with Ishii. Like, these are tried and true New Japan guys who have been there forever, who know the ways. They're putting him in spots where he's wrestling experienced guys now, you know? Like, mm-hmm. you know, and there was probably no co- coincidence as well that one of his blocks when he was wrestling in Best of the Super Juniors was like against Nobu and stuff like that. Like, put him with the stalwarts, the guys that are, you know, proven. And then, yeah, when that... See what you got. Yeah, exactly. And then when that opportunity comes about, they're like, you haven't dropped the ball yet, kid. Let's go. Yep, and he continues to not drop the ball. So we'll move on to the next match, the final match of that night of this of this uh, mini tour was Hiromu Takahashi in a losing effort against Taiji Ishimori. Thirty minute, thirty six minutes and twenty seconds. Ishimori wins with the bloody cross. This was good. Like I love these two. I th- I think you know Ishimori, best of Super Juniors. He really had his working boots on. Um, when he beat Desperado for the title, he really had his working boots on. He's he's been showing out. Yeah, I think he, he he's sees... picking up. He's he's definitely picking up for me. His rehabilitation in my eyes is going pretty far. I'd like to see a little bit more, I don't know, character or viciousness out of him. A little bit, maybe you know, like uh, having been a little bit more of a killer. But but it, they've been good matches, man. Yeah, I think um, he sees that you know. We'll talk about it the, after this match, but he sees who's coming back. He sees who they have there, and he's like, you know, if I'm going to be the champion, I've got to fucking show up because Desperado and Hiromu are both, you know, tried and true aces. A third ace is coming back. You know, we've got stars on the rise in this in this company. Like, I need to, you know, secure my legacy right now, and I think that's what he's doing with his run. He's trying to show, like, what he can do where he's been, his experience, and his ability. And I think that he, he really did with this match. It was, when you talk about being a killer, like, he was so locked in on this, uh, in this match, just trying to rip Takahashi's arm out. Yeah. You know, like, he was putting some nasty, nasty finishers on uh, Hiromu's shoulder, on his arm, on his bicep, on, you know, just trying to work that one body part. And we know that Hiromu's had a bad shoulder injury before. So uh, I got to say, I bit on a lot, a lot of the finishers. Like I, I thought that he had him. There were a couple of times where he's got him in the bone lock and he'll, he's reaching for the ropes and then they reverse it back to the middle of the ring. And I, I was like, that's it. He's done. And Hiromu was able to power out and Hiromu's looking for those, for those submission finishers over and over and over again. And gets caught with the bloody cross. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's how the match ended. I thought that was fucking brilliant. Like, what a great way to work an arm match. And it 
doesn't factor into the finish, but it does factor into yeah. the finish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought the thought exact same thing. It really was a well war. It, like it went, it went on, and as it as it went on, like you say, it's ramping up and ramping up on the limb stuff. But then, boom! It was lights out, like in another way. So it was, it was like it swerved you a little bit, you know. Smart. Yeah, exactly. Super smart. Uh, I enjoyed it. And then, what did you think of uh, Kashida's return? Just on like a road tour, it wasn't a Dominion or anything like that. I know you're pumped. You're obviously a huge Kashida fan. Uh, love Kushida, dude. Oh my god! I, and speaking of someone who can collect arms, we're gonna see Kushida come back. And um, yeah, it's. I'm so excited. I'm so excited, Kushida, come home, dude. Yeah. Oh my god. I, I like I keep thinking about like um you know a take a take for this and I don't have a take. My take is that fuck yeah Kushida's back. Yeah. You know, like that's all I got. I'm just so excited. I love the dude. And you know, awesome. a lot of people, oh, he came back as a baby face, that's boring. Oh, he came back as a junior, that's what shut the fuck up. Shut up. Be grateful. <laughs> it's gonna be great matches. Yeah. It's gonna be great matches. And I mean like, yes, he's wrestled he's wrestled Ishimori before. Okay. But that was also four years ago. You know, he's wrestled, he's wrestled Hiromu before he hasn't wrestled this Hiromu before, you know, he wrestled Hiromu when he was, when he was young and he was wild. He hasn't wrestled true ace Hiromu yet. Yeah. Yeah. That is totally true. Also, he like hasn't in, wrestled this new elevated desperado yet. Yeah, exactly. Like, has he ever wrestled Robbie? Eagle? Uh, not that I know of. I don't think so. Either way, not current Robbie Eagles. You know what I mean? We're talking, it's yeah. been years since Kushida's been here. Also, I mean, in what world would Kushida be a heavyweight? Also, like, the dude is like Here's, legit. <laughs> I'm fucking done. I'm done with people saying, move this guy up to heavyweight. Fuck you. Yeah. Fuck you. Fuck I'm you. done with it. I, I, I said this on We Work Stiff. I wasn't on We Work Stiff. I sent in a, a question to We Work Stiff. Shout out, shout out to our friend We Work Stiff. What's up? I just talk along with the podcast as I listen. Yeah. Nobody was listening to I'm me. Sit, I'm sitting at work and I'm unloading boxes or whatever, and they're talking to me and I'm talking to them, but they don't know it. You know, what, what is with people wanting to just raid the junior division to find more heavyweights? Yeah. We have heavyweights. We have juniors. They're two separate divisions. Why does everyone want to fucking leave the junior division? And the junior who, division who is there that we, right now. It is. Who is there that we can fucking be an ace and carry that division like Jushin Liger did in the 90s? You know, just be the man in that division and elevate the division rather than build your name and fucking leave it and jump up. Yeah. I understand why Shingo jumped up. He was never a fucking junior. Yeah. I understand why Will jumped up because they saw they saw dollar signs with him. Okay, cool. And also, I mean, where like he he did the work and physically trained. He was always tall, you know, and then physically yeah. transformed his body. Like that's always what it was going to be. I think the only guy for me that I see that with currently in the junior division. Well, actually, there'd be two. I mean, El Fantasmo's obviously gone, so I'm not gonna gonna talk about him. But I would say I still see, and I I'm not in a rush for this, but I could. Definitely see El Desperado taking a big run in heavyweight, and I would like to see it because I think he has the potential and the size and things like that too. And that's just me greedily wanting to see him with those guys. You know what I mean? Like I want to see him Mm -hmm. wrestling Naito and wrestling Okada more and and all that kind of stuff. And then the other one is I think eventually 
Alex Zane if he sticks around with New Japan, which I really think he is. I feel like he's a made man in New Japan. I I don't feel like he is really junior size either. Like when you look at his build and stuff, and I think over time, he's not. as he as he progresses, I I think you'll see him go to heavyweight as well. But I I think at the moment, like enjoy the ride because like like you said, look at all the aces. So it's like Hiromu, Kushida, uh, Desperado, Robbie. Ishimori, Alex Zane, like Ace Austin, yeah, like like it's Lindemann if he comes back, you know, like there's so many amazing that, that entire wrestlers. best of the super juniors, yeah, the entire best of the super juniors field like was stacked to the gills. So it's like let them go and like let them tell storylines. Maybe people are just saying that because they feel like all the all the most intriguing storylines are in the heavyweight division, you know, because they're like the the main kind of thing. But remember when Kushida and Hiromu were like in their big feud and stuff, it was fucking huge, you know, ticking time bomb mm-hmm. and all that stuff and things like that. And they're, they're like, you know, second from the top and all that. You just need those things. And, and unfortunately for a little bit, the junior division has been stale because we were in a pandemic. There was nobody around. So it was just sort of the same guys and that, but they're rebuilding now, you know? So it's going to be interesting to see where they go. And it, I, I'm very interested to see, Kushida uh, versus Ishimori. And I think Kushida's got a whole new story to tell. I don't think you're just going to see him just be the time splitter again. I think there's probably going to be something else coming along. Uh, yeah, everyone's talking about, oh, he's going to turn heel, he's going to turn heel. Nobody cool. knows, for though. It. You know what I mean? What, like, whatever happens. Exactly. What, whatever happens. He could be a monster baby face, and that would be totally fine. It's, it's just more about them not retreading old ground. But so. Yeah, yeah, and and you know that's that's what uh, I believe Joel said it best. Like it's just if you think that the junior division is stale, that's on booking. That's not on the wrestlers be, be needing to move up to heavyweight because it's the same bookers between heavyweights and juniors. That's true. Who said that? Uh, Joel. Oh, from Super J Cast. Yeah, absolutely. Joel. Yeah. Joel and Damon always have the best takes. They understand this company more than most, and he's one hundred percent correct. That, that's kind of what I was getting at. Like it's. Yeah, and it's the same with anything. If you ever feel the heavyweight division style, if you think that the tag division sucks or anything like that, it's literally all booking because it's not the wrestlers. The wrestlers prove over and over that they can go and they can deliver amazing matches in the ring. But you, it's up to them to book angles and, and conflicts that are interesting. Yeah, exactly. And I, now that you have those players in place, yeah. now that you have Robbie, now that you have Hiromu, now that you have Kushida back, now that you have, like, you have elevated players, all you got to do is put the pieces in the right spot mm-hmm. and you're going to make money. Absolutely. And those elevated players who people want to see move to the, to the heavyweight division, if they all work together, they could elevate the junior division to where they don't need to be heavyweights. Exactly. And that's what I want. Mm-hmm. That's and, what I want. And like, look, anything. at they're already working on elevating the junior tag as well. Because they've taken it off exactly. the fun team, they've put it on a a working rapid team. So what? Like, do we now look at like, that? Instantly gets me thinking. Okay, what are some really cool junior tag options that we haven't looked at? Is it Alex Zane and L Lindemann? Like they've been teaming together as Strong Hearts in Glee. I'm fucking excited about that. Let's yeah. do Strong Hearts, which is Alex Zane Lindemann versus United Empire. Let's do Lij Hiromo and Bushi. Like. 
together again. I always like it when they tag and they're all matching gear. It's fucking fresh to death. You've got is, uh, is Kushida a member of Chaos? Could they uh, again? Could they team? Could he team up with Yo? And and okay, you, you've bring, lost me. bring something <laughs> out of Yo. I was getting excited for a second, but but maybe maybe that is more exciting. It's better than seeing Yo on his own. I was like, yeah, and this and this, and you're like, and Yo, and I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I forgot. Oh, Zot. But you know go. what? Yo is a great fucking wrestler. He's just not doing anything. And all he is is a white canvas at the moment. So maybe you take that blank piece of paper and you start to draw something on it. And maybe Kushida mm-hmm. does that drawing and maybe that becomes really interesting. So there's always things you can do. Shooter's coming back. Is Shooter going to be a junior or is he going to be a heavyweight? I think he's 205 pounds, which is just over the the junior limit. Okay, nice. So they might just start him as like a, a young heavyweight then. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I like yeah. that. I like that. But, but yeah, oh, options. how about Ren Narita? Ren Narita's coming back soon. Mm, exactly. What's that like Clark is doing way more stuff in Japan. Is he going to stick around? You know, is, is there a combination there? I hope so. I hope all these LA Dojo boys form their own stable and, and we can see, you know, an LA Dojo team where you could have like, Coglin and maybe someday we'll get Carl Fredericks back over in Japan and have is, them take a run at the. Is Coglin in Japan right now, or is he going to be doing yes. some Japan shows? That's really exciting. Speaking yeah. about a potential new heavyweight, like he. That'd yeah. Be cool. The the first time we get to see like Coglin versus Ishii, or you know Coglin versus someone like Goto. Boy, let me tell you what, this is going to be something. Strap awesome. in, strap in. Now that's awesome. Um, all right, then. Well, before we jump over into our Forbidden Door talk, should we quickly talk about our new sponsor? We should talk about our new sponsor. So, yeah, new new sponsor, Curtis, one that's familiar to me, one that supported the Faces and Feels podcast for quite some time. They heard about Okada Shorts and just had to get involved. Involved? Involved. Involved with <laughs> Okada Shorts. How are you feeling about being part of the NordVPN family? I'm excited about it, man. Like NordVPN is, uh, it's pretty cool. They were able to contact us and get us a, a, a neat little discount code so that we can help everybody else mm-hmm. uh, to secure their selves online and also to unlock some pretty fun features. Uh, you and I were just talking about uh, the Shout Factory streaming service, which uh, we've been using to watch some Japanese tokusatsu, uh, you know, Ultraman and uh, Super Sentai and things like that that they have on there that you can't find streaming anywhere else, only in America. Well, guess what? NordVPN, you get on there, you run your IP, uh, uh, your IP. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. 
new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Address through an American server. Boom. Unlock new content for us to watch. New fresh faces and new fun stuff. That's not the only thing. It's also given us a level of security online, which is, as we all know, the biggest deal when it comes to your life online. Our lives are 100% online nowadays, and we just want to make sure that credit card numbers, IP addresses, things like that are secured every day. And NordVPN really gives us access to that, man. Yeah, absolutely. I run mine on the phone 24-7, basically, like on my mobile. Absolutely. I mean, if somebody was in the mobile, like, and just went through my stuff, it's just like every password I've ever had. You know what I mean? Like, I pay for things on my phone. Like, I don't know if in the UK they've got, like, Google Pay and and stuff like that. But, like, literally to purchase. I use Apple Pay on my phone every day. It's literally, I don't even have a wallet anymore. I have my phone and I've got my ID, like, on the back of it. And that's all it is. So. Yeah, I, it's a service I really believe in, and it's been super convenient for, yeah, watching more content online that, you know, being in a fucking backwater convict, fucking <laughs> ridden island, I don't have access to quite some of the things that you guys do over in Merry Old, as they say. <laughs> well, I mean, we can tell you how you can get access to, to things like English Netflix, where you can watch like old episodes of Doctor Who, maybe, or American uh, tokusatsu streaming services and things like that. And the way you do that is you go to NordVPN.com slash what? Shorts. Shorts. That's right. Get, grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to NordVPN.com slash shorts, shorts <laughs> to, to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plus, plan plus one additional month for free. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. What have you got to lose, man? Literally nothing. And don't forget, you can choose a bundle to fit your security level. So get to nordvpn.com slash shorts. <laughs> We're not good at doing it for each other. And use that code shorts to make sure you get the deal that is right for you. With a 30-day money-back guarantee, man. You have nothing to lose except being insecure online. <laughs> exactly. The only thing that you can lose is fear itself. That's, that's right. I think that's how the quote goes. I'm pretty sure that's the, the NordVPN.com tagline. <laughs> is The only thing you can lose is fear itself. So, yeah, right. nah, absolutely pumped. So thank you to NordVPN and check out that code. Uh, and now let's talk about Forbidden Door. We've buried the lead long yes. enough. It's been like an hour and a half, maybe even two hours now. So it is time to discuss Forbidden Door. The Forbidden Door. It has opened. Do you want to talk about the, the pregame show? Oh, no, I didn't I, watch that. I didn't that. watch the buy-in. Oh, no, I, don't yeah. have, I didn't have time. The, well, what a start. I opened the show being like, I don't got six hours to watch wrestling all at once. So I do, <laughs> again, I do want to go back and watch it because I really want to see that match with swerve and lee versus desperado and nobu but i just haven't had time seems like a mismatch doesn't it i know I, but i saw a spot from it where like swerve stomps desperado to the outside of the ring and it looked killer yeah looks really good mm-hmm. Now, keith lee is just such a humongous individual he is. that to put him up against two juniors seemed like it seemed a bit like overkill i don't know for sure i 
But that's that's always when he's that. at his best, though, because he has like an awesome base, and they just you know fly around him, and Flop. he just yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's a uh, you once said it best that if a company can't make money with Keith Lee, they don't deserve to make money, and yep. no true words have ever been spoken. He is a star. He is absolutely a star. So we'll we'll go ahead and start with the first match of the day, which was Uncle Eddie and the boys, uh, Eddie Kingston, Shooter, and Wheeler Yuta. John Moxley's two adopted children versus Minoru Suzuki and the Jericho Appreciation Society, which is Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara with uh, Tay Conti at ringside. This match, okay, so let's first talk about it. People were kind of shitting on this card when it when it was announced. You know, oh, not us. This person's we not weren't us, recording. Not us. <laughs> <laughs> we conveniently <laughs> forgot to do that. So. We've got a lot of people who are like, oh, this person's injured. We don't get to see the matches we want to see, blah, blah, blah. The, what we got was levels above what we were expecting. It was a great time. I, I said to you in text, in text, not record it because we didn't go on record with them, but I was like, it's right. going to be a War of the World show, and I'm fine with that. It's just going to be a fun crossover show, and that will be a good time. Like some of my first memories of New Japan when I started getting exposed to them were watching from Ring of Honor's side and then seeing War of the Worlds and then getting to know the New Japan guys and then going down that rabbit hole, you know? So I was quite happy with that. What was actually delivered was really fun. And this match on paper doesn't light my world on fire, but I had a great time with it watching. I think a big part of that was also the crowd reaction. The crowd was Humped. there that was so hot. single yeah. match. Yeah. And I'm sure the New Japan guys as well have been living in clap crowd eras were loving it. Oh, I bet. I bet. Yeah, the 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 match itself. So shooter comes out first for that side. And people were, you know, they're like, oh yeah, it's shooter. We know him. We've heard about him through Moxley. Wheeler Yuta got a huge ovation. Eddie Kingston got a huge He's ovation. So over now. And it's so good to see. And I don't know if you watched Blood and Guts. I was watching it last night. Again, you don't really watch Dynamite and stuff. But um, like in the big War Games match they did, the last entrance, anybody who hasn't watched War Games, it's two teams of six, I think it is. And they come in sort of one by one, you know, alternate. The last person to enter the War Games match was Eddie Kingston. Moxley's the world champion, and he was in like fourth. You know what I mean? They saved him till last. Mm -hmm. Was Jericho last for JAS? And then Eddie Kingston was like the big last in for Blackpool Combat Club. And the crowd was fucking there for it. You know, I mean, they're positioning him as like a very big character in, in AEW. I'm really glad to hear that because he's such a consummate professional. Yeah. Like, nobody's he's, like he's Eddie. Like a, right? yeah. Nobody's like Eddie Kingston. He's so much fun to watch. And like, I didn't get it until I saw him live. You know, I saw the, my first exposure to Eddie Kingston was a, like a hardcore match with uh, Eddie Kingston and the original La Parka. Okay. And they fucking tore it down, dude. I was so excited. I was like, Oh yeah, La Parka. Fuck yeah, dude. This is my childhood. Yeah. I'm so excited. Uh -huh. And um, I was like, Oh, Eddie Kingston. I've seen him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like, uh, I, I started getting to Eddie Kingston just through his promos. 
Like I still haven't really oh, gone back and, and done my diligence to make sure like I've caught all the, uh, you know, Eddie Kingston, Chris Hero rivalry and stuff that people talk about all the time. I really need to like, this podcast is just me saying all the shit I need to watch because it's literally, that's how long <laughs> the list is. And I barely ever have time to watch the stuff that's coming out now. But, um, but he's just a fired. Like you can go on YouTube and something and just watch Eddie Kingston promos. You know what I mean? The, Intensity yep. and the realism of what he is is crazy. I was listening to an episode of Talkish Jericho this week. It was like the formation of the Jericho Appreciation Society. So the other guys from that faction that were talking and Eddie uh, and Chris Jericho said that Eddie Kingston to him is nothing like his promo style is nothing but red flags to him. You know, he's like, it's not the way it's done, but he's like, but for Eddie, it works. He's like, for me, none of that works. He breaks all the molds and just does whatever he wants, but he just lights the world on fire when he does it. You know, it's it's awesome. That's really cool. The, the Jericho Appreciation Society, that's like, when did that change from being the inner circle? So so what happened was it was, uh, I mean, this might be interesting to some of the listeners if they're, they're a bit more New Japan focused and don't watch it. So what happened was is they they had started to sort of build uh, a rivalry with Jericho and Eddie. Jericho's very good at like keeping his finger on the pulse, knowing who's hot and then being involved with them, you know, like because yeah. he knows they can keep him relevant and he can raise them. He's fucking maybe nobody better at that than him. He, so they started this rivalry and Eddie was basically saying, Chris is afraid of him. And Chris is saying, you can't win the big one. And if you could win the big one against me, I'll shake your hand kind of thing. Like, that's what's going to happen. They have this match, and Jericho doesn't win. He loses clean to to Eddie, but then he won't shake his hand and he leaves. And then that begins a little bit of a sort of fracture in the inner circle where Eddie saying says in a promo and stuff, like to Santana and Ortiz, uh, proud and powerful, this dude is holding you back. You guys shouldn't be fucking about with the inner circle. You guys should be tag team champions. I know what you're capable of, blah, blah, blah. And so that starts a little bit of a fracture in the inner circle. Meanwhile, Sammy's doing the TNT title stuff and everybody's sort of starting to fight and he leaves. He's like, I don't want any part of it. And Jake is just sort of Jericho silent heater, you know? Uh, So that begins that. And then there were some injuries where Jericho got sick overseas and then Eddie got injured. So it kind of got put off. But what eventually ends up happening is... Uh, a match where they're fighting, uh, Eddie's been sort of fighting with uh, 2.0 and Daniel Garcia, and then they're kind of still beefing, even though they're allied. So Jericho's like, I don't like your friend, but okay. Anyway, 2.0 and Daniel Garcia attack the ring. Everybody thinks they're coming to attack everybody and stuff, but in the end, they join Jericho and turn on all his guys. You know what I mean? So then everyone's oh, okay. like, holy fuck, Jericho set this whole thing up. Like they thought they were like running in to attack everybody and that like, you know, those guys would all be fighting back to back. But in reality, it's Jericho's move. And he's pulled the, the trigger on his own faction and on, on Kingston. So then that casts uh, Proud and Powerful and Kingston out. And then he's got a whole new faction. And then they rebrand themselves as the Jericho Appreciation Society. Because it's, I, I gotta yeah. say, it seems like a little bit of a step down from from proud and powerful and Sammy Guevara. Although Sammy Guevara's rejoined with Jericho now, right? Yeah. Well, now he did. He did later, but that's also part of his logic because 
he's like, it's the Jericho Appreciation Society because he was like, everybody in, in a circle was too big. He wanted to rebuild a faction in his image where he is the figurehead and everybody worships him. You know what I mean? So okay. it was like, those guys are too good. I need new minions. So he clears house. Jake was never a problem because he's, he's been with him since day one. But like yeah. Proud and Powerful have got this other friend and they're wanting to be tag champions. They want to do this stuff and they're not just like being his shit kickers, you know? And then Sammy wanted to be TNT champion. So he just cleans house and gets a whole new squad. But then eventually Sammy rejoins when he kind of, you know, loses the TNT title and he's a loser. But, uh, goes, but yeah. Goes heel again. Yeah. But that was the thought was that. And then uh, I think it was, again, something from a promo that Eddie Kingston had said where he was talking about down the street where you guys are sports entertainers or whatever. And so that's where Jericho started to lean into that. He's like, oh, the term sports entertainer has like heat with our fan base. That's what mm-hmm. we're going to be. Like, I'm better than a wrestler. You guys are just all wrestlers. Don't you realize I've been to the big show? I'm a sports entertainer. And then there was this hilarious promo where they kind of reveal what the Jericho Appreciation Society is and, and Jericho saying all that stuff. And Daniel Garcia grabs the mic off him and he's like known as a restless wrestler. And he's like, I'm going to stop you right there. He goes, because if you're a sports entertainer, and then he changes like, and he looks at like the other camera, like hell 90s, like WWE. He's like, then I'm a sports entertainer too. Like it was so ooh, funny. And ooh, then he, I know. And then he like starts wearing Kangols and shit. It's really funny. It is funny. The, the like little details and stuff they're doing. I, I've enjoyed it. And they're like matching costumes are so fucking cheesy. They did the, uh, in that Anarchy in the Arena match, they had like matching Backstreet Boys white shit. And at Blood and Guts, they came out in matching red fedoras, r- matching mesh red tank tops and like red leather pants. It's so fucking bad, but that's what makes it absolutely amazing. Like it, it just cracks me up. Oh my God. Yeah, he's out of control. Oh he's fucking God. on one at the moment, is Jericho. So, and he's, he's smart because dumb. he, you know, he, he just knows how to keep himself relevant. Like, is he the fucking, you know, a New Japan Okada J. White level worker these days? No, but he's kept himself in great condition. He's always delivering great promos, and he's just always keeping things entertaining. He knows when shit gets stale, and that's what he was like. Inner Circle was done. People were starting to get tired of it. Time to flip it. You know, we've done it for two years. Jump it again, you know? Yeah, I I can completely understand that. Like, Jericho's always been known for reinventing himself, so... I guess if you want to reinvent yourself with uh, Sammy Guevara, Red Death, Daniel Garcia, and a bunch of mooks, then yeah, sure, go for it. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> it seems the, like a step down. Even the from mooks, proud and though, powerful. like, well, they definitely are. But th- that also helps elevate proud and powerful because then they've got somebody to fight and they're not just Jericho's minions, you know? And, yeah. and those two guys, the story with 2.0 uh, is that they, they were in NXT, they're friends of Kevin Owens. Uh, cause they're also, you know, Montreal guys. And when they got released, you know, with all the fucking big WWE culling, they didn't even really get going there. Uh, Kevin Owens called Jericho. It's like, do you mind meeting with my friends and just talking to them? You might be able to help them or whatever, you know? And then, so he had them on his show, just on his podcast to help promote them. And then he really liked them like as dudes. He's like, these guys are they're good guys. They get it. And then he called Tony Khan after they left. And he's like, oh, I've already booked them. They're going to be on like tomorrow. And he's like, they didn't even fucking mention it to me. And then when he goes, I didn't even plan for like Daniel Garcia and 2.0 and stuff to be a part of it. But they were naturally like the bad guys for Eddie Kingston. 
And so he's like, these are the fucking guys. They're right there, you know? And, and also, mm-hmm. Daniel Bryan had fucking uh, cut promo saying that, like, in the Blackpool Combat Club, we want to get young guys, you know? We want Wheelie Yuta. We want Daniel Garcia. And he's like, and then I fucking also take Daniel Garcia away from him. You know what I mean? And I take it away from the fans because people want that. Everybody wants yep. Daniel Garcia and Daniel Bryan to be together. They fit. And he's like, no, now he's a sports entertainer, you know? And yep. that, uh, that's heat as well. So, yeah, that's it's a really interesting heat. podcast. I mean, I just told you the entire fucking podcast episode, basically. But uh, on, on Talk It's Jericho, uh, the formation of the Jericho Appreciation Society episode, it's got all those guys on it, the, the whole squad talking about it. It's really interesting. Right on. Yeah, but right I gave on. you a summation anyway, here on the Jericho cast. Uh, so anyway, that was a really fun match. <laughs> it was a really fun match, and I think the, the coolest part is how Shooter was able to kind of win over the crowd. He was uh, great, I mean, first, wasn't he? Yeah, he was pumping he, it. He, he wasn't really doing a lot in the first half of the match, but towards the second half when he was, you know, taking kicks to the face and still holding on to his, to his Boston crab or, mm-hmm. you know, taking stiff shots from, from the King Minoru Suzuki. And can we say like 17,000 people or whatever it was, 16, 16, five, all screaming Kazanina Ray at the same time. Yeah. That it's was hot. a moment. It's hot. That yeah. was super good. So yeah, I, I mean, shooter, like he showed that he showed that fire. He showed the, the new Japan young lion fighting spirit and, the the american fans dug it man they really responded to it shooter's gonna be a star yeah i, I think mean, so they know who he is that's that's super hot take right shooter's gonna be a star well like we we all know that but like damn dude that was that was the first time seeing like i've seen shooter um in person in smaller places like over here in rev pro and stuff like that and he comes across like a really like good wrestler he's got a lot of personalities like I I've never seen that before. That was a fucking star. Yeah. yeah. You know, have, like, have it, you it seen, seems have like, you seen him live? Have you? Yeah. Yeah. I saw him and, uh, I saw him and Michael Oku, who is someone who I'm a big fan of over here. And I saw who else I see shooter with shooter and Suji versus somebody. I don't remember. Um, which was really cool seeing shooter and Suji together. I really like those two. Yeah. Are they a fun tag? Yeah. I didn't really see how it fit. Um, You know, Shooter comes out and he's doing like a modern sort of Tanahashi thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, Suji comes out and he's doing like a very like, almost like a Goto thing where it's like a, you know, proud warrior and stuff. So they didn't really have a mesh. They were definitely two characters put together. Yeah. But you could tell that they were really relishing being together as as two young lions yeah. that you know had a shared experience so that was pretty cool absolutely they're the same class so is that what suji's doing he's like a warrior. yeah like a modern he comes out with like samurai robes and stuff like that it's very cool yeah okay that's sweet. i wanted to his... buy i wanted to buy a suji shirt but the only shirt they have is it looks like Hiromu drew Suji. Like it's a very badly drawn Yoda Suji. And sometimes and like, oh, New Japan turns out some merch where you're like, brother, what are you, what are you fucking? Yeah. Doing? What is this? What is this? Trash. Exactly. Yo, I'm looking I, at I did not dig it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, nah. Oh, well, there'll be, there'll be merch down the line. What do you think? Um, fuck it. We're, we're all about side tangents today. What do you think Suji's upside is when he returns? He's okay. So, for Suji, he's got 
he's a lot of fun in the ring as in like he's he's all go no quit big nuts yoda suji jumping around like he's a big dude yeah, he's huge. but he's not fighting like a big dude like he he can throw you and he can strike and stuff like that but he's like going fast jumping high you know big body um uh big flying body presses and stuff like that and i think he he just wrestles different to how you would see him wrestle okay in your head and i really like that um also he's got a very like I could see Yoda Suji being the dude at the end of the bar. He's got his beer and a fight breaks out, you know, and Suji's just like, I don't give a shit who started it. I don't care I'm why gonna I'm going to stand up and whoop somebody's ass. Yeah, yeah. And I love that. He's got that sort of like that. He's just got badass written on his face, you know, like, Ooh, a tussle. What, what, <laughs> that uh, kind of guy. What faction do you for him? L.I.J. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. That's cool. It's, I see. So I'm gonna say, Suji. I see an Lij Yuya Uemura. I see as Hantai. Um, Shota. Chaos probably. And then, oh god, there's some other like the other the LA guys. I want to see them come back as as a a faction a unit together I'm trying to think of some of the other people like who else is on excursion right now hmm. that's that's all i can think of off the top of my head um everyone else is a catch-all for la <laughs> and um michael richards when they send him back hmm do they have anyone from new zealand and united empire yeah i don't know if he'd Hanara. be a fit there but it would be Oh, and all right, that's right. Maybe there's a connection there. Yeah, maybe there is a connection. Hmm. It's going to be interesting. Michael Richards come back. Yeah, that would be good. I'd love to see him hit the roster. I don't care where he goes as long as he comes back. Yeah, maybe come back. Um, All right, so we still haven't really talked about this match (laughs) after 25 minutes, but uh, I I think it it was a fun tag to sort of crank it up with. Uh, You get Mm -hmm. some big stars in there. Uh, and it was really enjoyable. And yeah, and I think it really felt like the shooter show like by the end of it, like when he's, you know, fending everybody off and you know, making moves and doing stuff. Like it, it felt like a real star-making performance for him. Putting putting him in there with a white-hot crowd, opening the show with everyone wants to see Eddie Kingston, everyone wants to see Minoru Suzuki, um, and you've got people like Jericho in there as well, who, you know, can always get a crowd to do whatever he wants. He gets the meeting out of the palm of his hand every time. Yeah. Sammy Guevara and Tay Conti, people fucking hate them. Mm-hmm. So that was really easy. And anyone could come in in that position and look like a baby face. Shooter went in there and looked like a fucking star. So that was cool. He did. Really he felt match. like a star of his team. It was awesome. Yeah. All right. What was next? Wheeler got a... Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Wheeler was fucking awesome as well. Yeah, yeah, Wheeler, Wheeler um, was great. Wheeler's still got a little bit of a way to go for me, just as far as like personality goes. Fair. Uh, so IWGP Tag Team Title slash Ring of Honor World Tag Team Title match, winner take all, FTR versus the United Empire, Great Ocon and Jeff Cobb versus Rapongi Vice, Rocky Romero and Trent Beretta. Hey everybody, remember Rapongi Vice? Um, this match was. Fantastic. It was great. <laughs> it was so goddamn good. It was so, super um, I, fun. 
I I was kind of upset that they didn't do FTR versus United Empire. Like it, it just seemed like Rapongi Vice was the odd man out there. I thought and they'd been put in that, there to win. Like I, yeah, I thought because it, they're they're like the team that straddles that line. I'm like, they could just be the upset team here and take both belts and then sort of defend them individually against either. And I was like, maybe they'll do that. You know, Rocky's got a lot of sway, blah, blah, blah. They all love Trent. Um, but I like that they did it. And I didn't even realize how much I liked it until this week on Dynamite. There was a, there's a segment where um, is it the acclaimed and the ass boys come out and they're, they're going to wrestle Danhausen. And he's like, Danhausen comes out and everybody's cheering. They're going crazy. And they're like, he's like, so apparently I've got to have this match and apparently I need some friends or something. So I got some good wrestlers. I hear they're good wrestlers, I guess. Puts down the mic and then outwalk FTR with every belt in the fucking universe. <laughs> and the, the look on the faces of the acclaimed and like the guns and shit like that, they thought they'd seen a fucking ghost. Eh? They were so scared. Like just, just like cashing that walk out. And I was like, is there a bigger baby face tag team in the world right now than FTR? Like no, everybody's loving it, and it just it can only elevate the IWGP tag titles. You know, even if it's just a cup of mm-hmm. coffee with it, if they come to tag league, that would be amazing. But just oh, them having so it good. is just just awesome, and then they will eventually pass it on to somebody else, and they will get a huge rub from it. So yeah, I think it's good, and I yeah. don't think that the United Empire, like you said, got defeated. So you know. Again, the United Empire, two-time IWGP Tag Team Champions, two times they've lost it in triple threat matches, two times they've yeah. not been pinned. Yeah, exactly. You know? Technically undefeated, like, <laughs> as far as that goes. So they're being taken care of, you know? Yeah, I think, um, you know, they did a very old-school style, like Dax Harwood gets hurt and he's injured and he, he comes back to yeah. finish the yeah, match. They did, yeah, it was great. It was great. Oh, really, really good stuff. And Rocky and Trent, really were unsung heroes here. Mm-hmm. Not only were they taking huge moves from Ocon and Cobb, they were playing spoiler a lot for FTR, which was just the crowd was hungry for FTR to win. Yeah. So that was really cool yeah. to watch to watch Rocky and Trent kind of they weren't they weren't heels, but you could tell that they were just heating the crowd up for FTR to finally overcome. It was really good. Yeah. And it's it's easy to forget as well after so long like Rapongi Vice were a really good tag team. Like, I remember, yeah. like, one of the first Wrestle Kingdoms I saw. I mean, it happened a couple of years in a row, didn't it? Rapongi Vice versus Young Bucks. Those junior mm-hmm. tag title matches that would open the Wrestle Kingdoms. And there'd be fire every time, you know? Trent's yeah. been injured and Rocky's been doing stuff and things like that. Like, they're both great wrestlers. And so putting them in there is not a bad idea because they're going to deliver. Like, they just are. And so whether you're excited about them because that may not seem as relevant and stuff because they haven't been active in that, they're, they're, they're only going to enhance the match in a stipulation, like you said, three-way teams. Like, look at United Empire, Bullet Club, and, you know, Goto and Yoshihashi. It, it wasn't this, you know, and it's because mm-hmm. of, of the working parts in the, in the match. Do you want to take a second to throw some, throw some flowers at Rocky Romero? For all he's given us over the years and all he continues to do for us as uh, uh, someone fans. backstage with New Japan, mm-hmm. uh, someone in front of the camera with New Japan, someone in the ring with New Japan. Thank you, Rocky. Yeah. Thank you for everything you do. He, ju- he just does whatever's needed for that company. It's really impressive. 
Like, he he flew to Dominion just to, like, get beat down after a match for, like, 10 seconds, basically. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, just, just to create some hype for this match. You know, like, so there was something happening, you know? And I'm sure he had other duties and stuff there. But, like, he just is always wherever they need him to be and stuff. And it's really impressive. And the work that he has done was strong as well is unbelievable. So, so good. So good. And I I get where AEW people are saying that the... They're saying that the, the build wasn't good enough. I get that. And maybe I'm looking at it straight up as a New Japan guy. But when you tell me FTR versus United Empire, like I was there, I was about it. Uh-huh. Like I, d- I don't need a build there. No. They they can just show that, show me that match, and I'll go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I'm in. Yeah, that's all. Here's I my fifteen. Tonight. Here's my fifteen pounds or whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I mean that it had more build than some of the other matches on this show. You know, there was the United Empire attacking, putting people through tables, like like. Trent was there when that happened. You know what I mean? So the, there was pieces in place, you know, FTR were there. Trent was there like when United Empire first appeared. So it, to me, it just seemed like it was all coming to a head. And when they had to like, they ended up building this show pretty quickly in the end. I still, I still think they did what they could. It was fine. Yeah. I, I don't see a problem with any of these matches. Like they're just dream matches. You yeah. don't need a story for a dream match. Exactly. And like, like each company has their own things that they have to be doing, you know, and they're not going to put all their plans on hold just for like a, a one-off exhibition show. So, yeah. Know. And the, the AEW audience considers themselves like the more wrestling pro professional wrestling company than, than like, say like a WWE, but like, why do you have to focus on a story? Why do you have to have a build? to a dream match at a crossover show. Can't you just take the best dude from here and the best dude from there and smash them together and hope that what comes out on the other side is great? Cause it was, it was great. Yeah. It was great. I think, I think maybe when they talk about that stuff, it's maybe like, you know, like Jericho has hired Suzuki going or whatever. And it's like, who cares? Like it, it's fine. It's, it's a story. They could have just said nothing. <laughs> and, and had it happen, yeah. but but either way, I I, I think the, the show over delivered, and yeah, and this match in particular was really really good. Yeah, that might have been my favorite match of the night. We'll think about it. Oh well, uh, well, actually, my favorite match of the night might have been the next match, mm-hmm. AEW All Atlantic Title Fatal Four Way mm-hmm. for the vacant AEW All Atlantic Title. The that was redundant. Anyway, uh, Malachi Black versus Pac versus Miro versus the wild Rhino Clark Connors in for Tomohiro Ichii. Oh, big horn energy, baby. I'm doing the horn gesture, which I love. Doing the horn when thingy. Is it two C's? Is it these. horns? I thought it was two C's. Oh, is it Clark Connors? Or is he doing like a, a rhino's head? Like a rhino horn? I don't know. It's everything. It's all of those things. Oh, fucking a little hit. bit of both. Boom. There's a part in this match where he gets in like where... You know, after he spears fucking Miro through the table, nearly kills that kid on the other side who gives a fuck. Boom, he hits him through the table on the railing. And then he gets in and he drags up fucking, I think it, I think it's Malachi Black, and he chucks him in the thing. And he just hits the fucking, ah, oh, hits the fucking, oh, the horns. And, everyone, and then it goes to grab, and you're go, like, let's fucking let's go, go. Clark. Yeah, let's, go, <laughs> let's go, Clark. Let's go, Clark. And the fans, so yeah, he was just it. getting his ass kicked for like 10 minutes. 
and then he just goes just, fucking ham on everybody. Goes, Not like, today, motherfucker. <laughs> you know who I am. LA Dojo fucking represent. And yeah. there he was. Hits that fucking trophy stopped. kill as well. Fucking balls. Like, it was sick. Oh, I, I can't tell you. Fucking I'm so going. fucking pumped on Clark Connors. Like, he's fucking one of my favorite dudes at the moment. And seeing his yep. rise is just so killer. But yeah, he got, he's like, when you talk about like fighting spirit and stuff like that, when he fucking hit, oh, hitting the horns. Me and Curtis are constantly doing the fucking horn gesture. Nobody can see him. Fucking ah! Oh. When he hit that, I was like, it, get, it got me jacked, man. I was pumped. I was like, I, I wanted to see oh, him do yeah. it. I'm like, what if they put it on Clark? That'd be sick. Like, and so, yeah, they obviously didn't, but it was, it was a great match. And I was just glad he's- that they, he didn't get steamrolled because obviously he's in there with veterans, people who have been on WWE's payroll, massive stars. And they yeah, made sure commodities. Yeah. And it was like, he's just here to lose kind of thing. But I love that even in that they gave a real time for him to shine. And, and that was, that was awesome. That was really like, and another thing you're going to see Clark's face for, you know, every time they talk about the all Atlantic title from now on, anytime they show a video package, there's going to be Pac winning it for the first time. And there's Clark Connors with him. Yeah. And shit, maybe we, maybe we use that. Maybe we say like Clark is like, you know, I'm pissed that it was my face that you're going to see getting tapped out for you to win that fucking title. Yeah. I want a one-on-one match Clark Connors versus Pac. Yeah. And here's me going, Ooh, yeah. baby. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, exactly. That spear through the table, bro. He fucking hit him like Sick. a ton of bricks. Eh? It was awesome. Sick. Sick. Oh, it was so good. But yeah. I, like, I loved Miro it. is such a monster dude. He's, he's probably like, if, if I had to pick a couple of dudes like on AEW television to like really follow Miro's like my, my dude, you it's boner you know? alert with you and Miro. You talk about him all the time. I fucking love that dude. <laughs> the rig He's on Miro so has you transfixed. The fucking rig, bro. <laughs> Check out his rig. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, Miro's my fucking homeboy. Uh, I just love that. He wants to fight God. Yeah. He's like, pissed. He's pissed about something. Makes me happy. Yeah. yeah makes me right. happy. How um, how, long before, boy. how long before how long before is on TV? Because he talks about it all the time. Um, I don't know. That'd be great. Uh, uh, I don't think he needs her, but like, you know, have her in the crowd or something. Maybe I kind of like that he referenced her, but you don't. Hello to my sexy wife. Yeah, I kind of like that he referenced her, but I I don't necessarily need like a return to to her and him together. You know, I I no. think he, he he's more interesting. On his own. And like you say, like yeah. he's forbidden from things from God and he's mad about it and stuff. I feel like that's more interesting. Yeah, super cool yeah, stuff. Exactly. But um, yeah, what a banger match. We obviously focused a lot on Clark, but but through, like all four guys were amazing. It was it was a really mm-hmm. fun time. It really did um make me interested for to see what they're doing with because they were like, Oh, Malachi Black and Pac are, are feuding right now. And I was like, Oh, okay. And they kind of went at it in this match, and that was that was rad. Like I, I talked to a bunch of, a bunch of friends of mine who are AEW guys and asked them specifically who from new Japan that they were most interested in. And we'll get to that in a little bit. We'll, we'll talk about it at the end of the show in the wrap okay. up, uh-huh. but like this like did put some, it put me in, in touch with a couple of AEW guys that I had never seen before that I was, I was kind of, interested in like i've seen eddie kingston before uh-huh. uh, i've seen wheeler yuda of course on new japan television so like i can't really say like they're they've opened my eyes to those guys but like 
when I when I think about what they're doing in AEW, like I had no idea. I've I had no fucking clue what Malachi Black was doing in AEW. Oh no, the House of Black is fucking sick, man. Uh, Brody King, dude. Yeah, exactly. Like when him, they have the best entrance on TV right now. When they come out as the House of Black, like it's all lit from behind, like you would have saw on that pay per view with him. But like he comes out, and then Brody's just towering over his left shoulder, and then he's got you know Buddy on the other one. They they've put like a, a hood and stuff on him now, and they come out, and then he he'll sort of like sit down, just like the silhouettes and the shapes and positioning and stuff like that. It just looks killer. And when they tag, you're always about the shapes. I am. Silhouettes are everything in wrestling, the same as they are in comic books. Um, I love people throwing shapes like this one. Fucking boots hit you with the Clark Connors again. Fuck. Uh, the <laughs> my favorite. That's my favorite. Uh, the oh, what was I gonna say? What do they call them? Kings of the Black Throne. When they were tagging as well, like when yeah. uh, Malachi Black and Brody King tagged together. Different song. They've got so many songs, and every single one's a fucking banger. Uh, it's yeah, it's dope. I love Brody King. Yeah, yeah, Brody King. I wish he was in part of my boy's stable. He's the fucking best. Mm-hmm. He should have been in G1. I mean, like, yeah, he's doing a thing on TV right now, but, like, New Japan was high on Brody King for a long time. Exactly. Really, he might come back around. Really would have liked Yeah. I would, Someday. I would love it. Yeah, Someday. exactly. Anyway, uh, yeah, so really good, and, yeah, you should watch some more AEW. I think you'd like yeah. some of the things that are going on. Maybe I will. Well, you now have uh, access to so- my account, so I guess you can. <laughs> <laughs> I had access. I can't be my, fucked my changing the password. Like, you just have access now, so it's fine. <laughs> my my neighbor was like, "Oh yeah, um, you can use my you can use my account." And like, I I did sometimes. Like I said, I watch one every like three months or so. But mostly it was just like, uh, you know, I I'd go out take my dog for a walk, and I see her, and she's like, "Oh, just see this on AEW this week," and I'm like, "Nah." <laughs> <laughs> and I, I I like I love. I love Orange Cassidy. He makes me laugh. Oh, he's got his Dan song Housen. back as a thing. Oh, Jane. He's got Jane back now. Like as That's a awesome. as of Blood and Guts. I was so fucking pumped. Amy's like, literally, who cares about this guy or this song? And I'm like, no, this song is fucking fire. The you best. Just shut your mouth. The fucking right. best. The best. That fucking riff. I remember him just like walking out like a fucking GCW or whatever it was, and he'd just have like a title in his backpack. And he just like, yeah. sort of nonchalantly scroll you know, out like to box. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I saw him. I saw him once against uh, Dan the Dad. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Possibly Warhorse. I don't remember if Warhorse was. But anyway, uh, yeah, super cool. Um, to hearing hearing Jane like, yeah, that's his, that's that's the best. That's a great fucking song for like nah, why? That, it, Who it, knows? It just works. I'm I'm playing it right yeah. now. Because I'm fucking jacked on it. Luckily, surely all the you know uh, members of Jefferson Starship are long dead, and nobody will sue me for playing this. Uh, but... <laughs> hey, we're not making any money. This is not monetized. Yeah. We're not hurting anybody. Here we go. Boom. Here's promotion for you. Musical break. Oh, the drums. Here they come.
Fucking sick. What it's got to do with Orange what? Cassidy, I don't know. But when he strolls out to what it, it just suits his entire moment. vibe. Eh? It's so... When it came... Like, he opens the show on Dynamite this week and it goes to the Orange Cassidy, you know, all white. And then Jane starts playing. I was like, come on, TK. He was like, if you deliver Brilliant a banger flex. with Osprey, I'm going to buy Jane for you. <laughs> yeah, it is so a flex. Good. It's awesome. So good. Yeah. Um. We we just got off talking about like the sixth match. We're still on the third. Match. I know we need we need to keep going. Let's keep on moving. What's next? Okay. What's after okay. the tags? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, next up, oh, no. uh, Bullet Club, El Fantasmo, and the Young Bucks mm-hmm. with Hikuleo versus the Dudes with Attitudes, or is it they were calling them online uh, Los Los Stingo Bernables, which was uh, great. So Darby uh, <laughs> Allen, Shingo Takagi, and Sting. Sting fucking takes um, flight at the fucking start the of this fuck, man. That I was, was like, oh, I don't know. be all right. <laughs> What's the fucking Nick best? Jackson, her way. The real high flyer of fucking AEW is Sting. He did that one <laughs> jump off something, and he's like, now I'm doing it off all things always. And it was killed. Yep. Yeah. And he fucking he's ate like, it too. He landed on them, but then he just got, gets reflected off to the side, just straight to the ground. Mm-hmm. The no sells by yeah. Sting in this match. Like, is there a fucking better fucking man than Stinger? Like he's he knows just, when to, he knows when to bring it out too. Yeah. Like he doesn't he doesn't just no sell to no sell. Nah. Like he knows he's got the credibility, the like, and then when he does it, the crowd want him to do it, and they're like, "Let's go!" Yeah. Like yeah, it's like fucking yeah. Five that fucking that no sell he caught he caught the super kick and just stops and like yeah. thinks about it for a yeah. second, and then no sells <laughs> no sells the titty twisters from ALP. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Gave him right back. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. yeah, it was great fun. Uh, Shingo Shingo was looking like a man. Getting the uh, pin this, too. This, uh, mm-hmm. As well, he was just throwing people to and fro. Absolutely fantastic match. This was this was more fun than it had any right to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know much about Darby Allen. Um, I I'm super not that impressed with Darby Allen until he started breaking out some really weird counters, mm-hmm. like. Uh, who was it got him up on El Fantasmo got him up on his shoulders and was going to hit him with something and he like spun it out and did like a, a Stone Cold Stunner yeah, yeah. Darby's pretty like, crazy cool. man like he does, does some wild stuff and his dives as well like his no hand sort of dives where he just like flies out like into people and stuff like <laughs> <laughs> like Ralph Wiggum going through the it's wind, exactly the like that he does like a Ralph Wiggum dive he just goes and just like fucking flies into people uh, and his coffin yeah, drop cool. uh, finish is pretty cool as well, where he's like up on the top and just jumps backwards like this position. Like I'm doing the picture I'm a vampire people and one hand on either shoulder cross like woo backwards like that. It's pretty cool. Exactly. Also, he's um I think I think he owns a little bit of can take a little bit of a bow credibility for how fast Sting's come too. I was hearing. Like interviews and stuff where he was talking about it. He was like, man, Sting was like, oh, I'm going to come back and I'm only going to do cinematic matches and shit. I was like, he was like, bro, come wrestle at my house. It's like, you can still do it and things like that. And like the current Sting we're getting now didn't, like Sting didn't think he could do that anymore, you know? And him and Darby just like wrestle in Darby's backyard and shit. Like, <laughs> it's like, awesome. yeah, like he, their friendship has like led to way more Sting than we were ever going to get. It was only ever going to be that cinematic stuff like we saw against, um, you know, uh, Taz's crew, like Ricky Starks and Powerhouse and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. He was just going to just do the Undertaker cinematic thing and stuff like that. 
And then he realized that he wasn't made of glass and could still go. You know, it's it's funny to think about how like what is thing like sixty? I don't know. He's in better fucking condition than me. That's for sure. Yeah, twenty two years going, Yeah, exactly. He's feeling it. He's killing. And like you see, like. Uh, you know, someone like Ric Flair or something who was contemporary for Sting, and the dudes, the dudes. I mean, he's gonna have one more match or whatever. They're talking about having like this big Ric Flair retirement match, and it's like, eee. although if you know, I mean, Ric about... lived a much harder life than Sting. You'd have to think, fucking. That's a that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. He's been a solid, solidly drinking and partying like a madman for his entire career, like living his gimmick like every single day sting had a big chunk of time off you know and and things like that but either way he's still taking care of himself in the right way and i mean the benefit of of something like face paint like with a kiss or or anything like that is you can really live forever you know and like Mm -hmm. even when he's done who's to say there can't be another sting you know the same as gene simmons said this is gonna Kiss will exist forever. He may just not always be in the band. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> just keep going, keep performing, well, like, but it's just yeah. other people under the makeup, you know? Yeah. Um, I did see a picture the other day of uh, Gene Simmons with his makeup half removed, and it, oof, oof. He's an yeah. old man. <laughs> see, that is an old man. That is an old um, fucking yeah. man, but yeah. Yeah. Um, still makes kick-ass rock and roll tune, though. Yeah, Um the the idea of like sting coming out like the the up in the rafters they had that sting so you thought he was going to be coming down on yeah, the, on yeah, the uh, good cord <laughs> oh god that made me so happy yeah. I, I was like oh my god and then he jumped off the fucking entryway good for him man like this match was fun as shit top to bottom it was awesome it was really good um yeah the whole card Stingo takagi so fun Stingo good times Stingo takagi uh, what's uh, what's next with uh with people uh, through hours? Next was so. the AEW Women's World Title match: Thunder Rosa defeating Tony Storm. Um, yeah, great. Both Stardom mm-hmm. alums, Stardom um, and uh, owned by Bushi Road, mm-hmm. as well as New Japan. So it is New Japan adjacent. Uh, yeah, thought it was fun. Yeah, uh, like I said, I would have loved to see Juice come out as as Tony's valet. That would have been fucking great. But I would have liked to I think see. He wants to be. I would have liked to see them hold off the Tony Storm match uh, and done Thunder Rosa versus somewhere from stardom, like do another Forbidden Door situation. I mean, that's a lot to pull together in the, the time that they had and stuff, but imagine that. That would be. I, th- I think the problem with that was stardom was having some big shows the this week and they couldn't really take someone. Selfish. Like someone who would have been a credible yeah, yeah. women's wrestler to come over, someone like a like a Julia or Tam Nakano or something like yeah, that. Yeah. like. It would have been, it would have been too much to like pull them out of those shows. Maybe so. Forbidden Door too, but it would be nice to see that sort of open up. That would be really cool. I mean, oh, people yeah. want to see more New Japan working with Stardom and things like that. Yeah. Like that's the Forbidden Door that you and I want to see. You know, we want to see the two companies that are owned by the same fucking promotion or the two promotions that are owned by the same company work together. Yeah, like. What the fuck? You tell me they couldn't do a super show at like a, a Budokan with like Stardom and New Japan? Yeah. Totally Why not? Could. Do some mixed tags and stuff. Yeah. Absolutely. Fuck yeah. That'd be awesome. That'd be fucking awesome. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Um, so yeah, shorts. Uh, next up, the IWGP United States heavyweight title match, Will Ospreay with Aussie Open 
versus Orange Cassidy. This was a moment for me. Like <laughs> the whole match, the whole match was worked so well. Like the, the heel stuff with uh, Osprey putting his hands in in Cassidy's pockets when he had him in a submission move, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> pulling out his middle finger. Yeah. Osprey off the chain right now. Yeah. So good. And it reminded and, people as well that like Orange Cassidy can go, right? Because like yeah. everyone's like, oh, you know, you're taking one of the best workers in New Japan and just putting him with the pockets guy. No, man, that anybody that says that has never watched Orange Cassidy wrestle. They just only look at the gimmick and have only seen the gifts and they've never really paid attention because that man is is there for it. You know, he can go. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I, not the first, not the first person that I would have picked for Osprey to have a match with, I would prefer to see like maybe Osprey and Pac or, you know, something like that where they could really just go 110% all go, no quit. But I mean, hell of a match. Super fun. I, f- I feel like the story of like Osprey versus Orange Cassie and, you know, best friends, United Empire and stuff. I feel like that all works better than just being in a match with Pac where, you know, Pac yeah. doesn't really have any hate going on. He sort of has a little bit of beef with, you know, those guys over there wouldn't have really made sense to just, you know, sideways him into it. And I, I feel like they made the most out of it. And I feel like it, it was like one of the sleeper matches of the show. And there's that build we were talking about. People were saying like, oh, there was no build. But like, yeah, they've been attacking the best friends for weeks. Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. I, I thought that was really fun. And and Juice uh, was and even there. Course, he was up in the crowd and stuff like that. So, you know, it would all yeah. tie it. And then, of course, we've got the United Empire beating down uh, Orange Cassidy. And we hear, do-do-do-do, do-do-do-do. And out comes Katsuyori motherfucking Shibata for the save. That sign Dude. summed it up where it was like, if Shibata's music plays, I cry. Like, that's how yep. we always joke about that. Well, not even joke about it, but that is what happens, like fucking in our household whenever Shibata reappears. And fuck, what a moment, man. And I'm like, wait for this hesitation drop kick. Fuck, let's go. Boom. Uh, yeah, yeah, dude, he was, and he just smoked both members of Aussie Open on the way in. Can we, like, Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Can we just like, can he be full-time again now? Because uh, I am, I'm just That's so ready thing, for like, I, I had no, no inkling that Shibata would even show up. Like, nah, no he's way. been just MIA since Wrestle Kingdom, basically. Like he's been MIA for five months, yeah, six months maybe, and like, bam, out of nowhere he comes out. And are we talking about maybe like Shibata versus Will Osprey down the, the line? That was the vibe we were looking at. Fuck. Is it like Bro. Shibata versus Osprey for like the US title or something like that down the track a bit? Two thumbs, two thumbs high. Bro. Are, are we are we I'm aiming in. towards Wrestle Kingdom with that? Like. That would be a great Wrestle Kingdom match. It would be, it would be what Dominion just went through, didn't it? So it wouldn't, yeah, it would have to be either Wrestle Kingdom or Dominion. Like, I'm into it. I'm into it. Like, if we can get through the, through the G1, but that, maybe that means Will's not winning in the G1. If Will doesn't win, I think you could look towards Shibata for Wrestle Kingdom. If Will wins, then it'd be down the track and maybe it's like for the world title. God, I, I'm, I'm, re- I'm really scared about that first stiff head buddy delivers. Because <laughs> you know he's just going to wrestle exactly the same. <laughs> he's not going to yeah. give a fuck. Oh, Jesus. Why, why should I change just because I almost died? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but what a moment. Cats yeah. or your motherfucking Shibata. That was amazing. <sighs> All right, so the next match, 
was a singles match between Zack Sabre Jr. and X. X turning out to be Ricola Claudio cast in fucking Yoli. Dude, this new music that was sucked. a moment for me. <laughs> <laughs> it, was fucking, it was pretty bad. And that's like the remix. I get that, you know, Daniel Bryan has like an old-timey song that they've remixed and stuff, but that's not the one. But either way, uh, it was good to see him. He's looking great. He's, he always looks great. Yeah. Um, I mean, I have a new game called Casignoli. Drink Every Time He Does a European Uppercut. And let me oh, tell you. You'll get fucking alcohol poisoning, buddy. You, yeah, I know. We, we were, we're not 85% drinking of his arsenal. at the start of fucking Blood and Guts. And he, he starts in Blood and Guts versus Sammy Guevara. And there's, I don't know, about 20 European uppercuts in like the first 10 seconds. We're like, this would be us unconscious by now. You wouldn't make it to the end of the match. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm going to say about Claudio, what I probably said about Miro when he first came over, still, like, his, the way he structured everything and that still felt very WWE to me, I guess. Like, in the way, like, they sort of take a little bit of time, I guess, to sort of move away from that style and kind of get to something that I personally like. I mean, other people may not have a problem. But it still felt a bit like that, but it obviously really helped. Like, it was a great match. Like, him versus Zach is definitely a dream match, you know? And I felt like Zach kept him creative. Yeah. I, the, the problem, I see this, this match, these last three matches kind of wore on me a little bit. Mm -hmm. Like, I had had so much fun with the beginning that this match, I mean, we, we never, we were never promised. ZSJ versus Daniel Bryan, but we know that that was that was supposed yeah. to be here, and we will get it. And yes, Zack Saber Jr. versus Claudio Castagnoli is a dream match. So I didn't want to I didn't want to just say like, oh, it's not exactly what I wanted. So I'm going to spit in the face of what I got. Yeah, that's I'm not that kind of guy. I I will never look that gift horse in the mouth. I enjoyed the match. Um, it definitely was not a uh, catch as catch can, you know classic technical wrestling style but it was uh it was a good fun match i would have liked to have had someone with a bit more of a technical acumen at this point but a big debut a big moment for a dude who i really enjoy it's still shorts and still a great opportunity for zach as well like uh claudio has been off tvs for like a while now it is a big deal it's a huge debut for them and for him to be the guy opposite him, that's awesome. Yeah, very, very cool. Uh, so the next, oh, and he's a member of Blackpool Combat he Club, is. right? Yep. With um, they've Mox. got the coolest fucking merch. Yeah, Moxley. It looks like Call of Duty. Uh, Danielson, uh, Wheelie Yuda, and Moxley and William Regal. Are and Eddie Kingston and Proud and Powerful not not official officially? Members? They're affiliated with them. And like in Blood and Guts, they kind of represented the Blackpool Combat Club, but I don't think they're technically members. They don't wear the merch and stuff like that. It's just that Moxley and Eddie are boys in the storyline. Yeah. And not Eddie and Proud and Powerful are boys. Yeah, exactly. But okay. Daniel Bryan and Eddie hate each other. Oh. There's beef there. They're not. They're not. Dramas. Friends. Yeah, there's, there's dramas there. And dramas. in the, at the end of the arena, did you, did you watch the previous pay-per-view from AEW? No. In the arena assault or whatever it is. It's fucking sick because the whole match is just like a brawl in the crowd between both factions and Wild Thing just plays on repeat for like half the time. 
just in the crowd as everybody's fight until Jericho finds the CD player and unplugs it, which is really fucking funny. Um, <laughs> and um, it's in like a, an old uh, New Jack match. Yeah, that's what of- it was. It, that's ex- I mean, Moxley's playing the hits of all the shit he likes. You know what I mean? He's like referencing Anita and New Jack and all that stuff. You know what I mean? He even referenced yeah. Masada in War Games. He tried to use skewers on Daddy Magic. Oh, uh, cool. On AEW TV as well. Though I hear from closest source that maybe Masada's pissed because he didn't ask permission. That's a whole thing. And Masada's the fucking toughest motherfucker in the universe. So you don't want that, but that can be bullshit. Um, the, what was I going to say? At the, towards the conclusion of that match where, like, Eddie and uh, Daniel, even though, also Brian Danielson, Brian, I don't even know anymore. Daniel Bryan Danielson? Yeah, yeah. Whichever one, him and Eddie come into conflict because Eddie just comes down to the ring beat to fuck with, like, gasoline, just trying to essentially set Jericho on fire and gets it all over Danielson. And he's like, what the fuck are you doing? And they end up, like, fighting, and it's sort of how they end up, like... You can't spill that here. That's bad for the exactly. environment. Yeah, exactly. And so he ends up... Uh, they end up coming into conflict there. Again, there was always, like, a, a hesitant friendship, but they actually, like, straight up don't like each other. And Danielson's oh, uh, injured at the moment, so there'll be beef there. But and, um, and of course, if you go all the way back to like Chikara, Eddie and fucking Claudio don't like each other either. Yes, exactly right. Oh. They, they have they've got history, don't they? Yeah, they got beef way back in the day. Looking forward so to that's that. fun. So yeah, it's gonna be gonna be interesting to see where they go. Maybe that'll be the pivot. But yeah, um, semi main. Yeah, semi main for the IWGP World Heavyweight Title. Your champion, Jay Hoito, versus Kazuchika Okada, versus Adam Cole, versus Adam Page. Um, so it's the Adams family versus the Rainmaker and Jay White. And um, yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's not a tag team, buddy. <laughs> no, it's not. The, the real match that we need to talk about before we get too far into this one is the, the real conflict between the two ring announcers and who was doing a better job. Who you got? Because I personally <laughs> enjoy the New Japan ring announcer better. It, se- it seemed like... Um, it was a head-to-head he... contest. Yeah. The, so, what's his name? Justin Robertson? Yeah. The dapper, yeah. Is good. Mm-hmm. He's good. Um, Shibata, the ring announcer for New Japan, like, he's very understated, mm-hmm. but, like... I love when he gets to like the main events, yeah. there's nothing like him, dude. There's yeah. nothing like him just hearing. Like I, I always, whenever I talk about a Jay white match, I always sit back and go, ah, Jay. White like yeah. I fucking love that guy, dude. He's great. I also He's love great. that, uh, in new Japan, how they, um, they use proper Japanese phrasing for when they do it. So it's like, Okada, Exactly. Like, yeah, I, I love it. It gets me pumped. And it feels like a main event when they do it. Uh, and, Definitely. yeah, what did you think of this one? I thought this were, was really fun. It was pretty much kind of what I expected to be. Maybe even a little bit funner, but it got a bit wonky towards the end. Sorry about that. Oh, I had I, did you just uh, scratch am... a record on the track? Then it went like, whoa. whoa. Yeah, I, I muted as I was coughing. Oh, right. It's um, not a remix. I am not an Adam Cole guy. So, like, automatically I was like, strike. <laughs> but, <laughs> like, um, Adam Cole and his, like, I'm going to have an argument with you mid-match. Like, we're going to have a whole conversation. 
you know, oh, why did you try? You're not going to do that to me. I'm Adam Cole, baby. Yeah. And, you know, like, I, I don't get it personally. I, the dude's very talented. Mm-hmm. I will not take that away from him. I'm not a fan. Um, I like Hangman Page. I mm-hmm. think he's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. He's very easy to cheer for. Uh, I am a huge Rainmaker Kazuchika Okada, Okada Kazuchika mm-hmm. uh, fan. Mm-hmm. I love Jay White. And um, so, yeah, this this match was good. It was very good. Ended very, very quickly. Um, I guess maybe there was an injury concern. Yeah, it's um, sort of been that vibe. I, I don't know what happened, but maybe whispering to a possible concussion or something. Like I don't know. Jay was pissed. Like, yeah, he, like, grabbed his title and just left like very sad about that um the crowd was fucking loving okada though eh oh yeah the the pop like if there was any doubt that western audience like knows who he is that was put to rest because it was like fucking the end of the world it was like this is a stuff like i were going into this match beforehand i was like well obviously jay's gonna pin adam cole that's what's gonna be and that's what it kind of ended up being but when that pop happened, when Okada entered, I was like, Okada might just fucking win just because it's Okada. They might have just flipped it on him just to have him win a title in America. You know, like yeah. there's every chance in He's the world that could happen. And so again, like whenever you put those two guys together, you put Jay Wyatt and Kazuchika Okada in a ring, you don't know who's coming out on top. So that's really it's awesome. I, and yeah, I thought both other guys, like you say, uh, detraction on you know, Adam Cole and stuff being what it is, I felt like everybody played their part right up until the end. I feel, I feel like maybe there was a concussion. I need to rewatch it, um, see if I can sort of pick it a bit myself and see if I can see what happened. But I was yeah. kind of wondering if they might throw a title. It's, I knew that they probably weren't going to, but there were a couple of minutes where I kind of thought maybe they might do something for Hangman Adam Page. If they did, you'd be like, then the company swapped titles. Like, then you're like, Tanahashi yeah. wins, you know what I mean? Which would have been crazy, yeah. like, as well. So, but yeah. I was I was waiting for something crazy to happen since FTR won the IWGP uh, tag team titles. I was like, there's got to be a New Japan guy who's going to win. Like, that That got me really thinking. Yeah, to balance, to balance the books, I also sort of thought that, or I was kind of, I was probably working myself into, like, a bit of a frenzy or whatever because uh, there's also you know the the specter of kenny omega looms right like and and whispers and stuff i'm like does does he come out at the end or whatever then when this match was second last i was like we're probably not going to see kenny like i was like that would be the last match then because then you would bring him out as the very like end to the pay-per-view right his return so i kind of thought there was no no chance but you never know and so i was kind of waiting for a last big shock or surprise or something like that but then it you know didn't feel like it ended properly. It looked like they had to call an audible and then it just sort of was over. And so it kind of died out with a bit of a whimper, but the entire journey was really enjoyable. Do you think that maybe did Jay, Jay put Adam Cole down with a blade runner, didn't he? Don't remember the exact order of what happened. Cause wasn't he doing something with Okada and then he just sort of fell over and then Jay just scrambles, like scrambles in and sort of pins him. Maybe that was it. Gosh, I don't remember. I don't, um, I don't remember. Yeah, because I because the the end just came out of nowhere, so I was like, oh. Well, well, it kind of caught happened? me. I, was, I think I was looking down at my phone or something like that, and I looked up and it was over, and I was like, what just fucking happened? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that was a that was a whole thing. Jay looked pissed. Um, 
the match was it it did end abruptly, but like when you have four dudes in a in a match together, it can end abruptly. It's a thing. Absolutely. Uh so the final match of the night, and I'm gonna let you talk about this one because uh I know you love Hiroshi Tanahashi, mm-hmm. but it's Tanahashi versus John Moxley for the interim AEW World Heavyweight title. How'd you feel about that? Let me ask you this. Have you ever seen anybody get color from a sling blade before? Because that's essentially <laughs> what happened. John Moxley will take any, any chance he can to bleed at the moment. And I know it's got blade yeah. in the title, but it was like he like took a sling blade, rolled out of the ring and came up with a fucking red mask. And I was like, what happened here? I busted my forehead on this back bump that on, I just took. On this sharp forearm of Tanahashi. Look, I, I was really hoping, and especially after, like you said, the, the books had kind of lent AEW's way. They took the IWGP tag titles. Nothing really happened in the previous match. And I'm like, they've been sort of building this match. These two have sort of been talking for a while. It was maybe going to be for the US, but now we're here and it's for the interim title. And I thought that was the key word. I was like, this is the interim title. This isn't the main title. CM Punk holds that. So really, they can kind of do anything. They don't have to super be nailed down to anything or like, oh, we need to be precious with it and protect AEW or whatever because you've already got your champion. You were already talking about um, a, a match between you know the ace and CM Punk, the best in the world versus the ace. This is going to be the big match. Obviously, an unfortunate injury comes. So then they just throw they throw in Moxley, and they they're like, okay, you're going to verse Tanahashi. Tanahashi needs to requalify, whatever. But I was like, maybe this is all leading up to them just swerving everybody, blowing the internet's mind, and just putting the interim title on Tanahashi to essentially just wait for CM Punk. And I'm like, he would have looked great with the belt. He would have looked great with the belt. He looks always looks great with the belt, <laughs> and he'd look great on TV. And I was like. It would just blow everybody's fucking minds and it would set a precedent for these pay-per-views if you're going to do more Forbidden Doors that anybody can ha- like anybody can win and anything can happen. Look at this event. The tag titles changed. An AEW team came away with the tag titles and a New Japan guy is now the AEW world champion. That's like mind-blowing shit. And I was like, it's not going to hurt John Moxley. Nothing can fucking hurt John Moxley. You know what I mean? Like he's... And he can win things. He wins everything. And he was like a long-reigning champion. It's it, not going to hurt him at all. You know, it's not like people are like, burn my Blackpool Combat Club shirt because the ace fucking beat him. Like, there's no way. I'm like, so do it. That's what I was thinking in my mind. You know, I was like, let's. And there was also the the fact that Tanahashi was not working any Wednesdays during the G1. I did not know that. And and yeah, people would go, okay, well, what are you, what's he going to do? Is he going to be in the G1 with the AW title? Fucking yes. That would be crazy. Like, imagine that. The AEW champions in that. You can have Tanahashi have a winning record in the G1 and still not win the G1. You know? He can then, he can then you know, get pipped at the post by, like, an Okada or a, a Naito or somebody like that. And then you have an AEW defense on AEW TV against one of New Japan's biggest stars. How crazy is that? Nobody loses. It's amazing. And so I would just... I was really uh, I was really disappointed at the end. Even though it was like a fun match, I was like, I really just hope they would have had the balls to just do something crazy, like at the end of the show, you know? And mm-hmm. so I understand all the reasons why you wouldn't do that. But I was like, 
fuck, it would have been cool. And I mean, really, Tanahashi's been in, I don't know, I forget what the record was that they said it, like 21 consecutive G1s. You know what I mean? If you were really concerned about it, just have him out of the G1. You know what I mean? Don't have Tanahashi in there, put in somebody else and fucking, and have him be on Dynamite for like a few weeks and stuff until CM Punk can come back. And now I feel like they've kind of burnt the CM Punk match as well. Because, I mean, they can still have it and it's still a dream match and stuff, but it doesn't really have the threat of the first forbidden door over it because it felt like ace, best in the world. Both guys are probably on the same level age-wise and things like that. Plus, we don't know what's going to happen with the pay-per-view. It felt like there was real stakes. Now, in a future Tanahashi-CM Punk match, why would I be invested? I'll be invested because I like seeing the guys, but I won't expect Tanahashi to win. He couldn't beat John Moxley, so why would he beat CM Punk, you know? I think it's it's just obviously the the politicking and stuff like that is going to stop people from doing something so brazen. But I mean, TK but it does has feel like they wasted pro- an opportunity. It does, and TK has kind of proven that he's not afraid to do crazy things. You know what I mean? So I I thought if any kind of promoter would be like, let's go. Like I I thought it'd be him. You know. So we'll see where it goes. I mean, there's still stories to be told and, and all those kind of things. But yeah, I, was, I really thought they missed an opportunity to just do something wild with a belt that isn't even really the real belt, you know? And I mean, yeah. imagine that, ace versus best in the world, champion versus champion, undisputed AEW championship. Like, that is a huge match to me. Like, and I don't yeah. know why you wouldn't want to do that down the track i feel and like. then it would be then it would be a real threat to cm punk you know because you're like dude we've already tanahashi's beaten you know moxley. John moxley he's the reigning this. defending AEW champion like yeah. like interim champion like I, I felt like that would just be so cool um but they didn't do it they they played it safe and that's fair and it was still a good match i don't particularly when's, when's the next AEW pay-per-view is all out i don't know in yeah. september yeah. that's like their that's one of their big yeah. pay-per-view events, isn't it? Yeah. You know, well, they only do like four, so. Months. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the only thing I, I can think of like... is maybe like CM Punk's actually very injured and he's going to be a while. And they're like, we need to move on with their stories. We can't have a placeholder. Like, we're just going to do a Moxley title run. Yeah, we can't just hope that he comes back by, by September. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, even mm. then, fuck, who cares? Have Tanahashi defend it the fucking pay-per-view. You know what I mean? Have him beat somebody yeah. and just hang. Like, like I said, you, you've got many champions. You don't need the champion to defend on every single dynamite or whatever. You know what I mean? I doubt right. Sam Punk was going to. You can put him in tags. You can just not have him there. Brock Lesnar wasn't on TV in WWE for like two years and he was the champion. You know what I mean? You never used to see the dude. They'd skip pay-per-views even. And, but then when he came, it would be like the biggest deal. And so imagine you... You go a pay-per-view or whatever, you you leave it, and then there's like maybe one defense before CM Punk comes back and the conquering champion who just took the belt back to Japan, didn't give a fuck, defended it through the G1, then comes back like, who's next? Beat somebody else. Then you got to wait, like build anticipation for it. Like, that's that's just me though. Yeah, it would have been nice. Mm. It would have been great, but... But I you mean, don't know. Sometimes can't, it's inter-company be... thing, you know? It's all fantasy booking, so... We yeah we can't be mad at what we think should happen. We have to look at what did happen and judge it on its own merits. Exactly. So. I like to have a rant, but I'm not mad. I, I still think the show was like very fun. I just like to put forward my argument of what I would do because I think uh, people maybe find it entertaining. 
Maybe they find it annoying. If they do, they can fuck off and not listen to this show. Because, again, it's yeah. free. So, <laughs> but, but yeah, free show. exactly. Get off my dick about it. But, uh, but yeah, I, I still thought it was a fun match. I did think that the blood was unnecessary. And that's coming from the guy that interviews deathmatch wrestlers and, like, loves that <laughs> stuff. I just felt like it was a big fight feel championship match that I don't think they needed to take it there. I don't think that style super suits Tanahashi. I don't think there was cause for it in the match. Like I said, I think the move that even brought him up with a crimson mask was like not even, there was no weapons. He didn't go into a post. Nothing really happened. So I I felt like it was unnecessary. And I feel like Moxley's been overdoing it a little bit with the blood. So let's let's go ahead and give overall, we both thought this was shorts, right? Oh, the whole pay-per-view was. Yeah, absolutely. It was a great time. Okay, cool. And what was your what was your favorite match of the night? What are these? Mm-hmm. Oh, Wild Rhino. Yeah, I think that was yeah. that was probably it for me. Yeah. That, that either that or the, the tag. I think the Osprey versus Orange Cassidy. Oh yeah, Shibata's return as well. Like, I mean, not return. You don't, don't know. He returns and then he goes away for another six months. But yeah, that great was a, that was a moment too. There was just a, the whole show was littered with great moments. Yeah, I had, uh, so I asked a friend uh, of mine, Chris Jackson, who uh, has his own wrestling podcast called the Oh, You Watch Wrestling podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah, so you've, you've and, told me about this before. And uh, he's, so he's a straight up AEW guy, he doesn't know much about New Japan. I asked him who he was most excited to see more of in the future, and he says Will Ospreay. Mm-hmm. He said Ospreay and Orange Cassidy like, did it for him. He's really excited to see more Ospreay. United Empire uh, felt like an AEW faction. You know, having really the benefit of them being on Dynamite for like quite a few weeks sort of leading up to it, I think really helped the crowd be invested in them when that match came around. And Osprey's so impressive physically, like in the physical movements and moveset and stuff like that, a Western audience would just be about it. I asked another friend of mine, Jesse Beasley, shout out friend of the podcast, Jesse Beasley, what up, Jesse? Shut up. And he said that his favorite uh, person to, uh, to to look forward to seeing more of, uh, he loved El Desperado. Uh, he loved Osprey. That's a deep cut on Desperado re- too, because he didn't get to do much. You know, he, he participated in a beat down with Lance Archer where he had a very cute friendship hug. And then he did like the pre-show. So yeah, that that speaks to Jesse's taste level. High. <laughs> I think so. High taste yeah, he level. Said, um, for him, it's El Desperado, Osprey, and Shingo. He said he was really having fun watching the Shingo match. Jesse is a huge Sting nerd. Ah. So, like, it might have been the, the rub coming off with Sting, but he said that he had a ton of fun watching Shingo. So, um, yeah, there's some, there's some cool stuff. So there's, there's some crossover ideals. Um, I think for me, like, I want to see more. I mean, obviously, I want to see more Miro if I'm watching AEW, mm-hmm. but that's because he's, like, basically the leader of my boys' stable. Mm-hmm. Um. I would like to see more of the House of Black. That's that's got me interested now. Mm-hmm. Um, just all all three of the dudes in it are like fucking mega badasses. So yeah. that's cool. Mm-hmm. I'm in. That's just like three dudes who were like like Malachi Black. So it's like, can I just bring in my friends and do anything I want? And TK's like, sure. And they're just doing shit that amuses them. You know what I mean? They just wanted to make this big fucking grim faction with cool death metal hardcore iconography and great music and you know and all that stuff and he's like and costumes he's like do it sweet i'm into it yeah 
I'm fucking in on House of Black. Yeah, it's That's sick, the thing. Dude. It's sick. Um, so yeah, I mean, this has been a really good catch up. I think everything's been pretty much short, eh? Uh, did you also see? I mean, I don't think they were on Fit and Fit and Door because of all the forbidden laws of Mexico. But did you see that Roosh is now in AEW with uh, Andrade as the new little faction in Goblinable? Oh, faction and Gobernable. Yeah. I like this. They've got the shirts I like this and everything. Very much. Yeah. I like that idea. Yeah. Um, it's cool. How are they going to get around the fact that Rush will not lay down for fucking anybody? <laughs> That's easy, my friend. You have him win. You have him fucking win everything. Just have him fucking win everything. Yeah, dude. Rush and I have no ass. problem with it because he's a fucking beast. Looks great. Yeah, he's been coming cool out in a white that. suit. Like, yeah. Been awesome. They're clean yeah they're a pair of clean looking fucking gentlemen um so yeah now the, those are some good ones i'm trying to think uh i watch both shows so i don't really have a, a take as who i would prefer to see most of it's probably just fucking <laughs> i can't get, i just like what? throwing, up the, big horn throwing energy. up the horns everywhere so yeah no, this is it, a very pro fun. pro connor's podcast it is like there's you know would you rather <laughs> would you rather Slay every day until slay ceases all meaning, or no? What are you wanting from from me here? Sex cowboy Clark Connors. Yeah, exactly. That works, man. Fucking awesome, man. Yeah, it it was a great time. Thanks for catching up, bud. It's been uh, it's been a good time uh, hanging out with my boy. It's been a heavy week for me over at fucking Australia. So yeah, it's been been super good fun. Tell the peeps where to find the amazing Curtis Spears. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at LDestructo83. You can listen to my other podcast, The Smart Foundation. We took a small uh, break to retool the show, but it's coming back this week. Uh, and you can also find my nerd podcast, The Throw and Dice Podcast, where we talk about things like D&D, Warhammer 40,000, uh, and other various Marvel crisis nonsense Marvel crisis protocols the other big huge one for us and we're super excited about Horus Heresy right now because they just got a rules update super cool um yeah man so if you're into nerd shit come and talk to me there and uh where can they find you man uh you can find me on all your good podcasting providers the faces and feels pro wrestling podcast at faces feels cast on all your social media boys uh, I just released a new episode this morning with one of the voices of ICW No Holds Barred and of Expect the Unexpected Wrestling, the one and only Ron Nemi. Over 20 years experience in the wrestling business, promoting in Florida, commentary, management. He's easily one half of my favorite commentary team and a very funny man. So, uh, yeah, get over there, check out Ron because his stories and voice are amazing. That's great. That's great, man. Mm-hmm. I'm super excited. Exactly. And where do they I'm find Okada Shorts? I don't even remember. Is it fucking everywhere? I think it is. It's Okada Shorts on Instagram, Okada Shorts on Twitter. Uh, yeah, I mean, no one's taken the Okada Shorts handle. We were really lucky that no one had parked that yeah, yet. I'm glad no nobody got it. it. Check out our link tree, Okada Shorts, uh, for all mm-hmm. our bits and pieces. And then... Uh, and if mm-hmm. you happen to find the naive stupidity of us giving away a free show business model to be oddly charming, you can uh, <laughs> go ahead and go to the Count Out Podcast Network um, subscription service where they'll do things like they have a 
<laughs> Are we doing hand signals for count out now? I'm trying to do count out, but like Clark Connors, like CO yeah. instead of CC. Like I don't know how to do it. I was uh, trying to figure it out, but it's like... On that subscription service, you have access to extra shows. You have uh, like their company-wide D&D game, which is going on that I'm very sad I couldn't be a part of because they play when I'm sleeping. And, Selfish. Uh, things like that. And you get extra access to extra episodes of all the lovely shows there from all of our friends like Ryan and Mikey and um, that how to talk to your friends about pro wrestling uh, gals. And um, yeah, man, it's totally worth it. And it helps us out. It helps them out and we can grow the content because that's what it's all about. Yes, absolutely. And last but not least, if you're looking to start a podcast, you have a podcast, or even if you're a wrestler who needs intro music, hit up my boy Owen at Riff Your Pod. He made the banger theme for this podcast that you'll hear again very shortly. Uh, he wrote the theme for Curtis's Throwing Dice podcast and is currently working on an amazing theme for one of the best deathmatch wrestlers in the entire world. So stay tuned yeah. for that because it is going to be fire. Wait till that shit's getting dropped in Corricon Hall, man. I cannot fucking wait. It's going to be so badass. It's going to be so oh, badass. Exactly. So yeah. Everybody out there, keep it right, keep it tight, and keep it short. Peace. Colorado Avalanche Stanley Cup Champions 2022. Also that. Let's fucking go. Let's fucking go. This has been a Count Out Podcast. This has been a Count Out Podcast. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.